Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by former Oklahoma State quarterback Clint Shelton as we will talk about all things Big 12 football and break down the Oklahoma State Cowboys when Clint joins us coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bowie's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group and our Tom Fullery Story of the Week as well coming up at the end of today's show. Thomas Bridges joins me right now as always. Tom, what a pleasure to have Clint on today. Immediately what comes to mind for me when you mention the name Clint Shelf is the Gus Johnson touchdown call of when he said Clint had running from the cop speed. That's what I think of immediately. I'm excited to talk to Clint, get uh, his uh, college football perspective on the Big 12 Conference coming up later on here. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as far as Clint Shelf goes, you know, and, and, you know, me being such a big Oklahoma State fan, I feel like he goes so under the radar you know there's there's been a couple under the radar guys punch shelf was was top notch back in the day i don't think he gets enough credit and he's probably one of my favorite you know you have your brandon whedon's and your mason rudolph's but my two favorite quarterbacks to watch in the last decade for oklahoma state um has been clint shelf and jw walsh those have been two of my favorite like a fan favorite you know like like i said you have your mason rudolph's and your and your Brandon Whedon's, and you know you could even say you know Robinson, but no, 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 no. Clint Shelf and J.W. Walsh were electric, I thought, and I, I still to this day think Clint Shelf was un- severely underrated. Well, I would like to have Clint Shelf on this Oklahoma State team now. <laughs> I think no, that, no knock at anybody, but I would rather have Clint Shelf. As fans, we kind of get spoiled when the generational quarterbacks come through. I mean, you look at who Oklahoma State's had over the years between Mason Rudolph and Brandon Whedon and Zach Robinson and, and you know, and Norman, of course, we know about the last three quarterbacks they've had, Jalen, uh, you know, Baker, Kyler and such, but we forget about the transition quarterbacks, uh, the, the Nate Hibbles of the world or the Clint Shelfs of the world, the Blake Bells of, of sorts. And it's those guys that make you appreciate – the elite quarterbacks and when a guy like Clint who you say you may forget about of some sorts um this is a guy that two different occasions did his part to win Budlam but the defense let his team down and we would be talking about Clint totally different if the defense just did their part in two of those games there so it's amazing how that works uh that we're quick to dismiss some of these transition quarterbacks based on, you know, a, a sample size that wasn't big, that wasn't of their own doing of sorts, uh, that, you know, a couple plays go a different direction and their legacy is totally different. But Clint, uh, great guy, and you're, you're going to love him when he comes on. I, I would say he's a friend of the show now. I mean, we're already going to have him back on again later. I can tell you that much right now. That's how much I enjoyed this conversation with Clint. When, uh, when he joins us coming up in uh, just a bit to uh, talk uh, all things uh, Big 12 football. But a, a nice weekend uh, for the uh, Big 12, and we'll dive into that coming up later on. But Oklahoma State, they found some new life offensively, get that win there in Stillwater. Tom, you had a front row seat for it there against K-State. This was a game that 
was really a, a toss-up game going into it. I know Oklahoma State was favored by six, but no one really had a good feel for that game. And what do we know? Oklahoma State came alive on both sides of the ball, in particular what they did on the offensive and defensive line. They just bullied K-State on Saturday. Yeah, they did. And and K-State didn't really have an answer. And, you know, definitely missed Skylar Thompson for sure because that – Oklahoma State defense was was getting to you know Will Howard and then to uh, another quarterback came in. I forgive me, I don't know his name, um, but they were getting to them all game. I mean, they pressured them and and just giving them fits. Didn't really have a good time to throw. Um, you know, Deuce Vaughn didn't really, in my opinion, do anything extraordinary. You know. Uh, the, the only time that I thought, uh-oh, here goes Oklahoma State, like here's it's going to be a game again when they return that kick, when they return that kickoff and then Oklahoma State goes and answers, I was like, all right, we're fine. You know, this is, this is, this is good. This is something different. I don't know what happened after Boise State. Um, I think – and that was kind of the consensus of everybody in the stadium. Right. The people sit next to me. I went to sit up next to Billy too, um, you know, from my seat, I went and talked to Billy and sat with him and his mom, and we were kind of both just like, well, I don't know what just happened. And I don't know if it's the receivers and maybe Gundy and Dunn were nervous to even think about passing the ball or even think about opening the playbook with freshman wide receivers. That could have been it. They get Tay Martin back, and this whole game changes. Uh, Tay Martin looked incredible, um, and I expect nothing less of – that offense we saw against K-State this weekend against Baylor. Yeah. Uh, Jaron Lewis came in at the quarterback spot with uh, Will Howard struggling, only going 4 of 12 through the air for 50 yards. And uh, Lewis wasn't much better, going 10 of 19 for 148 yards, a touchdown and interception. And, uh, I mean, you look at Spencer Sanders throwing the ball 34 times and two touchdowns, 344 yards through the air. What More we saw no from turnovers. Spencer Sanders was the return of Cheez-It Bowl legend Spencer Sanders. That's what we saw on Saturday was a reminder of when you get this guy in the Cheez-It Bowl, he's another guy. And it was all the Cheez-Its were back for Spencer Sanders in that performance. I was impressed with what he did. That's what we need to see more of out of a Spencer Sanders in that Oklahoma State offense going forward. Oklahoma squeaks by West Virginia 16-13 to 13 in a nail-biter where they did not lead the entire game until the closing seconds with that Gabe Burchick uh, field goal to uh, win it for Oklahoma 16-13. to 13. Sooners right now are undefeated at 4-0. and But, my goodness, is this like the worst – 4-0 OU team ever. I mean, there is nothing impressive about this Oklahoma team right now. Now, granted, still very early on, they very well could get it together, but that offensive line is awful in Norman right now, at least not up to Oklahoma standing. And the run game has been non-existent. You hear these OU fans, you know, in the student section going after Spencer Rattler and, and uh, you know, you know, calling for him to be benched and for Caleb Williams to come in and such. Look, I mean, it's just ridiculous. This is a guy that has a better winning percentage at Oklahoma than Jalen Hurts, than Kyler Murray, than Baker Mayfield. Spencer Rattler 
is not problem A, B, or C for Oklahoma right now. There is a lot bigger glaring issues with this Oklahoma team. And now they head into Manhattan this week. I'll be at that game. Um, and I got to tell you, I, I don't know if, if Oklahoma is going to win or not. I know that they're a 10-point favorite, and I know that K-State you know, left a lot to be desired last week. But the way Oklahoma's playing right now is not going to be good enough. In fact, even with a loss, Texas has played better football than OU right now. Is That may be hard to for some people to fathom, but it's a fact. I mean, yeah, Arkansas. You look at what Arkansas did against A&M and able to pull that out, and Arkansas looks like a good – obviously looks like a top-tier football team right now. Um, so, uh, you know, as far as Texas is concerned, that's a good loss. I mean, no loss is good, but you get where I'm coming from. That's a, a quality loss. And did it with a guy right that's now. their backup quarterback now. If Casey Thompson plays that game, I mean, Arkansas still wins, but it's not like it was. Exactly. And so it's like, okay, you know, and new, not to mention, I hate make, this makes me sick to even make an excuse for Texas. Right. New coach. You know, like, I'm like, what am I doing? Am I, I'm defending Texas? Like, hold on, I got to go throw up. I'll be right back. Like, you know, the, the brand new coach, this is a, an OU team that was, uh, had championship aspirations, still technically do. Um, but they take a loss against K State. I mean, this team is not even getting close to, to Alabama, or you could even say Georgia at this point. Uh, not even close. Tom. Uh, if you made me pick OU Texas right now, now granted, this Oklahoma team in one week can flip on the switch and be a lot better team. That's that's certainly possible. But if you made me pick the OU Texas game right now with a week in advance, because they're playing straight next up. week, I would take Texas straight up right now. Yeah. All right. Who's Texas got this week? Texas plays TCU in Fort Worth. And TCU just lost to SMU. So yeah, you know, you're probably right. I would probably do the same. I'd like to see the point spread on the game. I mean, we'll know next week. I mean, Bijan Robinson, this kid's a stud. He might be the 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 best or second best back in the conference. He's right up there with Brees Hall. I love what he's done there running the football and Casey Thompson coming alive. We don't know. Well, and then behind him, you have Roshan Johnson. So, I mean, it's a kind of a one-two punch. I think if you were to put a line on that game right now, OU would probably be favored by three. I would yeah. be shocked if it's any more than that. Yeah, I can agree. It'll be interesting to see. You know, you haven't beat K-State in two years. You go into Manhattan. You're kind of down on your luck. You know, West Virginia, no slouch on defense, but it should not never been that close. Right. Um, you know, so what's the line on the game this week? Uh, OU's OU 10-point favorite. Right. Mm, Over K-State. I wonder what it would be if that's Skylar Thompson. That would be. Skylar Thompson's out for this game. Texas is a five-point favorite at TCU this week. And although we don't have a point spread for OU Texas yet, we do have the ESPN FPI, the Football Power Index, and they give OU about a 59.5% chance of beating Texas. Texas about 40.5. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that, I can see that. That's going to be a heck of a game. Yeah. I mean, you and I uh, would this, pick this Texas. Is up for, this is setting up to be one of the better, you know, OU-Texas matchups. I mean, Not you, maybe from a good football standpoint, pick, but even. You and I would pick Texas. Uh, right now, 
but we are also acknowledging that would still be an upset. Um, we're acknowledging that Texas would be an underdog, but we would pick Texas at this point uh, where these teams are at. But a lot could change in the week. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, we're going to have our picks later on in the show, Tom. And I got to tell you, from a personal standpoint, I mentioned I'm going to OU, K-State, and Manhattan. I'm also, on Monday, going to Monday Night Football between the Chargers and the Raiders. And this is going to be the first time in two years that not only am I going to an NFL game, but I'm pulling off the college football NFL doubleheader weekend. I am going to be uh, a kid on Christmas uh, with uh, this football. You know, I've been I've been stuck in a studio the last, you know, what, four or five weeks to start out the football season. And now you're going to send me to Manhattan, Kansas, and then Los Angeles for two games in three days. I cannot be more stoked for what I'm about to see these next couple of days. I, I'm about to be unleashed. I, I feel like I'm, I'm being let out of a cage here. I can see that. You get to go to uh, two places that have both great donuts. You got Varsity Donuts in Manhattan. And then you have – and I should know this because it's a kind of a Rams thing at this point. It's like an L.A. thing. You have that big donut store with the huge donut on top of it. I don't know what it's called, but it's well known. And so it's got to be good. Um, that's right by SoFi. And you get to go to SoFi before I do. I'm a little jealous. I'm, you know, it's not a Rams game. Um, but so far, looks unreal on TV. I mean, it's pretty much going to be a Raiders home game, right? Uh, you know, I send it's probably going to feel like that. You know, for as good as the I Chargers, hope I come out of there alive. You might come out of there, a Chargers fan or a, a Raiders fan. Oh, god, you, no. wouldn't, you wouldn't want to dress up like the you're going to wear your Mahomes. Are you going to wear a Mahomes jersey in there? Uh, no, I'm not taking that risk either. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, that wouldn't. That's probably because they'd probably both king up on you. Not to mention, like, Charger fans would have reason to make fun of me, too. Oh, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, especially after this last weekend. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> right. Best to go neutral. Right. Right. <laughs> Just go neutral, have a good time, try to come out of there alive. I mean, there's as, something... as a kind of a Chiefs fan, you kind of want both teams to lose or go for the tie. I'm rooting for the tie. There we go. Extra football. I'm rooting for the uh, the kissing of the sister on uh, Monday night. Uh, <laughs> between the Raiders and the Chargers, yeah. Um, should be a great time. I'm looking forward to seeing SoFi in person and what that looks like and such and to uh, have a good time. I mean, there's something different about Raider fans. It feels like, Tom, everyone knows when – you meet a guy on the streets and you're like, I bet that guy's a Raider fan. And about 99% of the time, you're right. Yeah, you're probably spot on with that. That <laughs> does feel like uh, you can just spot Raiders fans anywhere. They kind of, they got a an aura about them. <laughs> a very, very weird. <laughs> yes. You have, you have to be weird to be a Raiders fan. Right. If you didn't grow up in Oakland. In, or LA. You know, yeah, you're and you're a Raiders fan. You're weird. That's it. I don't care about Jerry Rice, Rich Gannon. I don't give a shit. You're weird. <laughs> I think that's well put. That's well. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even know how to respond to that. I mean, I mean, that's how it is. I mean, have you ever met a Raiders fan? It's not a little bit off. Oh, I mean. When the Raiders would come to Kansas City, and I'd be hanging out in the parking lot, 
I would say to myself, how quickly can I get from here to the stadium as fast as possible? I don't want to hang out in the parking lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they look like, you know, the Raiders fans look like they smoke cheap marijuana. <laughs> That's what it is. They look like, you know, and they, they get the great value chips from the store and they smoke cheap marijuana. They don't get then when they buy pop, they don't buy Dr. Pepper or Pepsi. They buy the off brand. They buy they buy Dr. Thunder. Yeah, exactly. Can't trust them. Mountain Mist instead of Sprite or Sierra Mist, 100%. (laughs) And they definitely drink cheap domestic beer like Bud Light and PBR and such. Yeah, it's yeah, that's very true. You know, PBR is not bad, but they. They're the type of people that think the the Raiders, the Raiders Bud Light can is cool. Right. <laughs> Have it on display in their house. Right. You're right. And it's an empty can because they're too drunk to go to the store to get any more. <laughs> if any Raiders fans are listening, they're going to search you out on Monday Night Football. Thank God I'm a ways away. <laughs> so if I don't make I don't it know, back to I Omaha, know, you know, know one Raiders fan. I only know one Raiders fan. He's a, he's a guy, you know, I'm friends with him. He's, he's, is he odd? Yeah. Just a bit. So does he, does he drink Bud Light? He does. So my last job, there was a guy I worked with and he's one of my dear friends who I love like a brother. I would do anything for Um, great guy. And I kid you not his nickname that he went by on radio because he was working for one of our music stations uh, there in uh, Northeast Kansas. Uh, very late Raider-like. Exactly what we're talking about here, Tom. He, he went by the name Freaky Dave. And he was a big Raiders fan? And he was a big Raiders fan. He was from L.A. originally. He grew up when the Raiders were there. But, yes, he's a diehard Raider fan. There you go. That's it. You know, and, you know, you got John Gruden as the coach. You know, he's, you know, looking all, I don't know, spider-wide banana on you. You know, I, I bet they eat that up. I guess if I was a Raider fan, I'd probably eat it up too. But you know, and and you know, they're they're starting off hot. The Raiders are, and you get a new city like Las Vegas. The Raiders have to be the worst three and O team of all time. Yeah, you know they are frauds. Who else is three and O so far? Uh, The Cardinals are three and O. Rams. The Rams are three and O. And I think the Rams are the best team in the National Football League right now. Um, the other 3-0 and teams that are out there are Denver and uh, Carolina. Yeah, Raiders are worse than Denver and Carolina, I agree. And, and, and maybe in the long time. We'll see. And then, you know, if they can get – the Chargers are, you know, right in the mix. The Chargers look good too, but – if that's you're going to one hell of a Monday night football game, that, that that's the type of game that some fights break out after the stadium out of cell five. Right. Yeah. Glad I'm not going at this alone. Uh, should be a great time though, for the uh, chargers and the Raiders on uh, Monday night. And uh, that is a great way to start our NFL discussion for today uh, with that chargers and Raiders. Let's go ahead and just start there then on uh, Monday night chargers and Raiders, uh, Chargers at three and zero, or, or Chargers at two and one, Raiders at three and zero. Look, 
we know the Raiders have a very good offense with uh, Derek Carr leading the way. And, and Derek Carr, Tom, um, I'll say this. I think that he has earned the right to silence the critics for a bit. The Raiders' problems are not Derek Carr. Now, I'm not saying that he's worth all that money he's being paid. He's not an elite quarterback, but he's not bad. They have bigger issues than him. That defense is 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 bad there in uh, in Las Vegas. But nonetheless, they're 3-0. Chargers are 2-1. This Chargers team, you're looking at if they didn't have an illegal shift against the Cowboys, and it almost cost them against Kansas City an illegal shift penalty as well, they could be 3-0 themselves right now too. I like the guts of Staley, the head coach there with the Chargers. This guy is aggressive. He goes for it on fourth down a lot. He reminds me of Mike Leach in that sense. That's, and a, that's, Herbert's a, Sean, playing good. that's a Sean McVay disciple. Yeah. Uh, Staley, this guy is the real deal. I think the Chargers win on Monday night. I like what I've seen from Justin Herbert here. That's a legit playoff team. The Chargers, as much as it pained me what happened on Sunday – when the Chiefs did give that game away, the Chiefs had every opportunity. They got in their own way with four turnovers. The blueprint that people are trying to figure out to beat the Chiefs, by the way, all it is is that the Chiefs can't beat themselves. But nonetheless, the Chargers still took advantage of that. With that being said, uh, the Chargers are a very good football team. At 2-1, and one, I am buying the Chargers as a wild card-type team. I'm still not sold on the Raiders. I need to see more from that defense before I can buy in on the uh, the Raiders at this point, Tom. Yeah, you know, and and the Chargers, you mentioned Staley, who used to be the Rams defensive coordinator. He's got the Chargers defense playing salty. I know that the Chiefs had problems with their offensive line. They were just getting all over my homes all day. It felt like, you know, no time to get the ball off, no time to settle in. Um, and, you know, he's got them playing well. Um, I think it's going to be a great game. And, you know, the Raiders, like I said, I, you mentioned Derek Carr. You can't hate him right now. Oh. He's, he's, I, he's playing the best football he has so far. And, but, you know, you mentioned the Chargers too. They might, they could be three now. You know, they got Greg the legs are lined um, at the end there a couple weeks ago. You know, it happens still growing as a team. Um, AFC West right now, I would say, is every bit as tough as the NFC West. Yeah. The Seahawks playing like how they are. You know, the 49ers put up a good fight against, you know, the Packers. Gave Aaron Rodgers too much time. Cardinals are 3-0. Rams are 3-0. I'd say, I mean, top down, they're pretty much even at this point. Um, And so the Chiefs is, you know, you mentioned the Chiefs too. um, Losing that way to the Chargers. You got to. Those are games you got to win. Um, all's not lost in the Chiefs' kingdom, but you know, with AFC as tough as it is, it's getting that way. I mean, Raiders and Chargers look ready to play. Denver looks ready to play. Yeah, they're not messing around uh, in the AFC West right now. I still wouldn't take the AFC West over the NFC West. Um, I think that Denver has benefited from a very easy schedule for the first few weeks. That's They'll be fair. exposed eventually. The Raiders will come back down to earth, but I do like what I've seen from the Chargers at this point. Thursday night, the Jags take on the Bengals. A couple of years ago, these two quarterbacks were in the college football national championship, Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. Now they're far from that. 
They're playing on Thursday night football with the Jags as an 0-3 team. Urban Meyer is all over the place. Um, I'm just waiting to see when uh, Urban Meyer is uh, going to leave this Jags job for USC or claim that he has uh, some health issues of some sorts based on the way this is going right now. Meanwhile, they're in uh, Cincinnati with the Bengals. Two and one. Joe Burrow looks good. That offense is really good. Still have some question marks on that offensive line. Tom, uh, the Bengals, buy or sell Cincinnati as a playoff team. I think I sell. I'm not quite ready for Cincinnati to be a playoff team, but I do think they're much improved. I think they'll be close to 500. Oh, yeah, I can't. I can't. I, I like them a lot, and I think the defense was really solid. Um, you know, and, and in that division, you have Cleveland that, that's there, and you have the Ravens, um, and unfortunately, Pittsburgh that in the, you know, is in the past couple of years has been first, so they just went first to worst real quick. Um, but I like I like what Cincinnati is doing. I'm going to sell them for right now. I'm going to sell them for right now. Give me a couple of weeks. Let's get to week seven, eight. I might be buying. Okay. The football team, the Washington football team, taking on the Atlanta Falcons, both teams at one and two. Washington, Tom, we talked so much about how good their defense is, but last week the Bills just ran up and down the field on them, and they couldn't get stops. Atlanta is a hot mess. I think Washington wins, but this is one that uh, when the Red Zone channel turns on this game, I'm going to be like, can you get off of this and move on to another game already? I think Washington wins, but this isn't going to be pretty. Yeah, no, I don't think it is either. And Atlanta kind of squeaked by last week. They, I, I felt like they were, you know, the, that was a weird game. You know, I was watching Red Zone too, and I was like, what? What is going on? Like, Matt Ryan – the fall from grace after the Super Bowl. I don't know what it is. You know, I do Matt have Ryan doing Pat- Matt Ryan things. It is. I mean, I have Patterson on one of my fantasy teams, and he's doing well as kind of a pass catching running back out of the backfield. But really, the loss of Julio Jones has made this team one dimensional. You know, the best corner from the other team is going to just blanket Calvin Ridley all game. Um, and there's really not anybody to go to. Kyle Pitts has been shit. Um, you know, and as big as he is, he really. Be, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, he has. He's kind of underwhelmed a little bit. I get it. He's a rookie, but like, you know, I don't know if it's the Falcons' fault for not getting him involved enough, or just, you know, cold feet or what. He's just not been a factor like I thought he would be. Um, and and the Falcons are just kind of all over the place, um, you know. And in terms for Washington football team. You know, you lose Fitzpatrick and you got Henneke, which is, yeah, you know, he's, uh, I don't know how to feel about him. He's not, you're not moving the needle. You know, neither maybe was Fitzpatrick either, but, you know, in this division where you have the Giants and the Eagles, Dallas already looks like they're going to run away with the division at this point. Um, you know, you got to try. It's not like you're in the NFC West or the AFC West. You know, all's not lost in this division yet. But it's like, you know, they're just – they're not doing it for me. Yeah. So Texans taking on happen. the Bills. The Bills are about a 16-and-a-half point favorite over Houston. Houston just a hot mess. Buffalo, their offense has come alive the last couple of weeks. Uh, they put up more points than anybody the last two games combined. Josh Allen looking really good. Start out slow against Pittsburgh, but now they've, they've picked pace back up again. I expect nothing less – against Houston here. This game won't be close. You could give Houston a 21-0 lead to start the game 
and Buffalo's still going to come back and win by two touchdowns. Bills are going to be fine, and they have figured things out. It was a rough week one. It happens to the rest of us. They're, they're going to be okay. The Bills are an elite football team. Yeah, they did figure it out. Josh Allen looked phenomenal, and uh, the Bills would be just fine. And and poor Odd Hit, can you imagine being a Houston Texan fan? I wouldn't even watch. This is this is worse than the Ram years right now, in terms of the front office and just everything. Like you know, our franchise quarterback who's not suspended, we're not even going to put him out there. Nah, let's just intentionally tank. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And who's they have their first round pick this year? Uh yeah. Yeah, I mean it's terrible. I mean, still, I mean, I guess you 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 got to try to get that because you don't have anything else. But, ugh, ugh is right. The Lions taking on the Bears. Man, I felt for the Lions last week. <laughs> they got Justin Tuckered. The sixty-six yard field goal was the longest field goal made in NFL history, and it was the second time in NFL history that the field goal record was broken and a Lions loss. That's the most Detroit Lions statistic ever. Meanwhile, the Bears, Matt Nagy should be fired immediately. He had a horrible game plan last week against the Cleveland Browns. They couldn't move the football. Um, Justin Fields has got a little bit of a hand injury. Andy Dalton's hurt. We might even see Nick Foles. Who knows what's going to happen? Nonetheless, Tom, um, I actually have a rooting interest in this game. I hope the Lions win because I like that this team is trying. They're actually giving effort. Dan Campbell's doing a good job. He's coaching these guys up. They just don't have any talent. The Bears have talent. They're being poorly coached right now. So with that being said, I hope the Lions win. And I think the Lions get their first win of the year because of the coaching advantage. I like what I've seen from Dan Campbell despite that 0-3 record. Yeah, you know, they do look like they're trying. And, you know, who else to break that record except for Justin Tucker? I don't know when that's going to get broken again. Um, I mean, he could very well maybe break his own record. Yeah. Um, maybe. I don't know. I mean, another yard or two, and that's not dinking the right way. Um, so it was close. But, you know, you, you think about the Lions. Again, we, you know, I was watching this game. Uh, a couple people were over, and we were just hanging out watching the game, and we we're talking about Dan Campbell. Does he not look like like an Alabama, like a South Alabama uh, football coach? Maybe the coach is like a fifth grade team that yells a lot and has got a, a, a constantly has got to dip in. Maybe wears like a cut off uh, sleeveless, like a uh, blue denim button up shirt with a camo hat. And just says, what the hell y'all boys doing down there? You know, well, something like that. And the fact that he's talking about breaking kneecaps and such and punching guys in the gut, his next life after coaching, he's got to be a WWE wrestler. He he He's like what I imagine uh, uh, Bama Joe like. Old Bama Joe. But, but maybe more in shape and, and meaner. I don't know. But, you know, nonetheless, the Lions are trying. And, and you talk about the Bears, what a kind of a mess that is. Nagy's not going to last all season. And you know we're a pro-fire fire your coach podcast here. Uh, Matt Nagy's got to be done. He's had too many chances. He's, he's, he's done. If I was a Bears fan and, and to be in Chicago like that, you're, you know, the only other place worse than I feel like if you're a bad coach in would be in Philadelphia. I mean, if you're out in public, people got to be giving him hell. There's no way they don't. 
And I don't know if you saw, um, there's a new, the Bears bought some land in Arlington, Illinois, which I'm really going to assume is right outside of Chicago. Um, for what sounds like a potentially a new stadium, I guess Soldier Field's not doing the job. Um, I mean, the location for Soldier Field is bar none top tier, in my opinion, for football landscapes. But, um, you know, Soldier the Field mayor, is one of the worst renovation jobs I've ever seen. Right. But in terms of it being right by the, you know, where it's at, it looks cool. But, you know, in terms of the stadium being how it is, it's not very good. Even the mayor said that she would not like them to leave Chicago, that she's a Bears fan. They wouldn't necessarily leave Chicago, but the stadium would, you know, it wouldn't technically be in Chicago anymore. Um, but that the Bears got to put a better – I mean, even the mayor's calling out. The Bears got to do a better job. They got to put a better product on the field. And it's just kind of roasting them. And I'm like, yeah. You got to fire Matt Nagy. He's got to go. He's got to be done. I'm going to over under four weeks. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say right about there. Okay. I would take, I would take the over. Um, I think that he lasts a little longer than that, but his days are numbered. Matt Nagy. By week week eight. Matt Nagy. The only thing that he's got going for him was that he called plays for six weeks under Andy Reid. That's it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. They had that one good run, uh, you know, a couple years ago in the playoffs when Trubisky looked halfway decent. Right. Um, and Look at Trubisky now in Buffalo with a competent system and offensive line, and he had a great preseason. So maybe Trubisky right. wasn't the issue. I would take Trubisky over Andy Dalton any day of the week. So At this point, yeah. Yeah, they'd probably try anything at this point. The Panthers take it on the Cowboys. This game in Dallas, both these teams off to good starts of the year. Cowboys, their one loss coming at the hands of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a very close game week one, but otherwise they've played really good the last two weeks. Panthers are 3-0 and here. Tom, uh, we'll pick this game coming up later on, but to me, I really like what I've seen from Dallas, and – I know that we've been through this song and dance before when it comes to the to the uh, Dallas Cowboys, but the way that offense is rolling, the way Dak's playing right now, he's starting to get his mobility back too. Dallas is starting to look like they belong in the upper echelon in uh, the NFC. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm I'm very tempted to jump on on board of this Dallas team. I like what I've seen, even defensively. Micah Parsons leading the way. I know that defense isn't great, but they are getting better every single week here. Um, are, are you buying into Dallas as a as a playoff as a playoff team? I think they win that division, but maybe this might be the team that could win a playoff game or two. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, they're definitely going to win the division. I, and barring any injuries, they're going to win the division. I'd be I'd be really shocked if they didn't. I mean, it would be a Dallas thing to to get in the final week and lose the division uh, to the, to the New York giants, but I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, you, you mentioned Dallas and they're, they're doing hot. And I think they're going to, they could be potentially a threat. I wouldn't want to play them. Um, you know, they'll get a divisional spot, so they'll play a wild card, but if I'm the wild card, I, I wouldn't, I'd rather play another probably division winner, not name the Rams. Um, so, you know, you, yeah. Dallas, I think they're going to be fine. You Panthers, though, great start. Matt Rule, I think he's doing the right things. But if you watch that Thursday night game, 
when Christian McCaffrey went down, that whole Panthers team fell apart. Oh, if they weren't if they weren't playing the Texans, they might have not won that game. They can't go far without McCaffrey. They need McCaffrey to come back. I like what I've seen from Sam Darnold. He's making the Jets look like fools for trading him and drafting Zach Wilson. But that team can only go as far as Christian McCaffrey takes them. Yeah, I mean, that's very true. I mean, I, I mean, you know, this week I hope Chuba Hubbard is an Oklahoma State fan. I hope he does great. I hope he I hope he runs all over Dallas. Um, probably not going to happen, but you know, that, that is, that was very evident that, you know, if McCaffrey's not in that this team looks like a top 10 pick. Yeah. The uh, Colts taking on the Dolphins. Colts are 0-3 to start out the year. Dolphins are 1-2. Tua is still out. He's on injured reserve. Meanwhile, for Indianapolis, Carson Wentz is questionable. T.Y. Hilton is on injured reserve. And, you know, Braden Smith is out on the offensive line. T.J. Carey out at corner. Kyrie Willis out at the safety spot. A lot of injuries for this Colts team. They're really banged up right now. Um, Tom, I would lean towards the Colts with a questionable uh, Carson Wentz or, you know, whether it's Jacob Eason or whoever it is, uh, because the Dolphins just have not looked great uh, without Tua running things offensively here. This is going to be an ugly game. First one to 17 probably wins. I would lean towards Indianapolis, get that first win of the year, but these teams are certainly underachieving compared to what we expected, uh, at least out of them in 2021. Now, I wasn't high on the Colts with Carson Wentz. I knew he was going to bring them down, but I didn't expect them to start out this bad out of the gates anyway. Uh, Yeah, neither did I, but, you know, I did read something uh, that I thought was pretty funny on one of the power rankings or one of the week recaps type thing that they said the Colts not their season. Might as well go ahead and pack it up. Um, and in terms of just injuries and Carson Wentz, how that's played out so far, I, I, I have to kind of agree. And for Miami, you know, two being out, I, I think Miami, did they win last week, didn't they? Or did they No, lose? they lost to the Raiders in, in, in overtime. overtime. That's right. I mean, they still played close. Uh, you know, and coming back from the previous week of not putting up any points. Um, I don't know how that's going to hold up, you know, this week. The Colts, like you said, are decimated on defense. Um, you know, I could see the Colts winning this, but I could also see the Colts blowing this and losing. Yeah. The uh, Browns take it on the Vikings. Browns looked really good last week. How many sacks did they get on uh, Justin Fields? Too many. <laughs> that's the answer. Uh, Baker Mayfield coming into his own, looking like a complete quarterback. And that offense, you got Odell Beckham back and such. Watch out. Browns are going to continue to get better every week. The Vikings have been able to put up points. I know they're one and two. It's not the offense's problem of why they've been losing games. Kirk Cousins is playing well. Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, you own company. The offense is fine. Their defense is just giving up too many points. With that being said, Tom, if you're telling me that this comes down to defense, the Browns defense is a whole lot better than Minnesota's. If it's a game that comes down to stops, then Cleveland is in good shape in this matchup, I would think. Yeah, and it's be interesting to see how much the Vikings can stop the run, if they can stop the run at all. Um, I mean, they got the best backfield in the league there in Cleveland. With uh, that's, that's, what that's what I'm saying. But for the Vikings, if they can't – I mean – is Dalvin Cook, I think he's supposed to come back this week. 
Um, you know, and, and his backup, I'm trying to think of the name here, had not a bad game. Um, so it's, you know, you, you don't know. The Vikings can be a really good football team. They get it figured out. They get the, the Vikings get that defensive side of the ball figured out, then, you know, they're going to be right there with the Packers, I think, or could be. Yeah, um, uh, Cook is questionable. Much. Cook is questionable. Alexander uh, Matson from uh, Boise State. Is uh, looked pretty decent. He's uh, got 30 carries for 125 yards and a touchdown on the year. So we'll see how that goes. Giants taking on the Saints. Giants are 0-3 at this point. And we talk about coaches on the hot seat. Joe Judge is uh, in trouble. Daniel Jones has been fine. Daniel Jones is okay. He's not a bad quarterback. Um, he is the team's leading passer and rusher. Daniel Jones is kind of doing it all right now. Meanwhile, when you look at the rest of this team, the defense is atrocious. They just don't have any talent. They've done a poor job drafting with what Gettleman put together for that roster and such. Just a lot of problems there with the New York football giants. Meanwhile, for the Saints, great week one. And then week two, they look bad against Carolina. And then they have a great week three against New England here. Now what do we get out of week four? Is it going to be the team we saw week two or the teams we saw week one and week three? Jameis, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, the, the thing that you look at are those three games. The Carolina game, Jameis threw those two picks. That's when they got beat real bad. Jameis takes care of the football. New Orleans is fine. That's all this comes down to. It's the same thing we talked about going into the season with the New Orleans Saints. That hasn't changed. If Jameis takes care of the football, the Saints win. Yeah, they very well could, um, you know, and the Saints have the potential to be a solid team, you know, a couple up and down weeks. Um, and, I, and, you know, I get it. The Saints probably, you, you lose Drew Brees, obviously, and you have this whole situation in the beginning of the season. Okay, who's going to be the quarterback? Is it going to be Taysom Hill? And people did say Taysom Hill, those fools. Um, you know, you, you, you have that kind of controversy going on and you're trying to figure it out. Um you know, give the Saints a couple of weeks, and and if they get, you know, some sort of consistency flowing, um, you know, it's gonna look real good. Um, as far as the Giants go, you mentioned Daniel Jones, and I, you know, I just so happened to be on the Coach Bo Knows podcast last week, and Bo asked me, he goes, you know, what surprised you so far in the NFL through a couple of weeks? You know, what's what sticks out to you, or you know, what what do you like to see? I said, well, there's not really any surprises to me so far. But I said, Daniel Jones is who I like to see. That man is gritty. You know, Daniel Jones plays a like he plays a lot like Clint Shelf played. Maybe Clint Jones. Yeah, I guess that would work. Daniel Jones plays reminds me a lot of Clint Shelf. Um, just gritty, tough, takes a hit, doesn't give, you know, doesn't give a shit, does keeps his head down, doesn't talk any trash, just kind of does his own thing. Underrated. Problem's not Daniel Jones. You mentioned it. You know, we'll see what happens with the Giants. I He, you know, where's Saquon Barkley? I mean, this past week, fairly decent game against Atlanta, but still lost. Yeah. Um, so what do you do? Yeah, well, your Daniel Jones jersey's on layaway. Well, I'll wait for you there, Tom. You might be there for a little bit. I'll have to call Amy Smith. <laughs> That's a great inside joke for the folks out there. The uh, Titans taking on the Jets. Titans favored by seven in New York. 
Tom, the Jets have only scored 20 points through three games. Do the Titans win by two, three, or four touchdowns? Well, for the sake of my fantasy team and Derrick Henry, I hope it's 100 touchdowns. But, um, you know, it's – is it – can you – okay, which, which is worse in your opinion right now? Being a Lions fan, a Jags fan, or Jets fan? Being a Jets fan because you haven't looked good in any way at all. There's no yeah, reason that- to be optimistic whatsoever. And you got excited about the draft last year for the Jets. You know, you're thinking, okay, well, we're going to land Trevor Lawrence. And that didn't even work out for you. So, no, there's no reason to be excited to be a Jets fan right now. The Chiefs stick it on the Eagles. Both teams are at one and two. I feel like, Tom, these two teams are a very different one and two teams on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum. The Chiefs are going to be fine. This team's going to win the division. They've had just a couple things that didn't go their way where their self-inflicted mistakes got in the way. Chiefs are going to be okay. They're going to win a lot of football games this year. They're going to be fine. They bring in Josh Gordon. I don't know how that will work. Josh Gordon's a terrific talent. I mean, if he can, you know, stay stay off, uh, you know, the suspension, then – you potentially have a good pickup there. I mean, that's all it comes down to is if he avoids suspension, he's going to be fine. He hasn't caused any issues in the locker room throughout his career other than getting suspended for off-the-field stuff. So I like the Josh Gordon signing. Some people were saying, is this a sign of desperation for the Chiefs and such? No, not at all. It's a low-risk, high-reward situation. I'm fine with bringing in Josh Gordon. With the Eagles, look, Jalen Hurts has looked fine. I mean, he's looked good, but – That offensive line is just terrible. They don't have much on that defense. The Eagles, we knew were going to be bad this year. Um, They they have some pieces, you know, bringing in Devonta Smith and Jalen Rager, Jalen Hurts. They got some young cats, but they're still a long ways away from being being an elite football team here. I think the Chiefs win this one, and they win this one handily. They make a statement on Sunday, and if if the Chiefs don't win this game soundly – there should be cause for concern in Kansas City. There's no reason why Kansas City shouldn't win this game by 10 points or more. Yeah, especially the way that, that the Eagles looked on Monday night. You know, they're coming off a short week. There's no reason. Kansas City needs to have a, a kind of a, one of those statement games where they just come out and whoop that ass. You know, they've only had one win. That was a close game against the Browns. Uh, they like to play that, you know, we used, we're used to seeing the Chiefs play those games where they get down early um, and then find their way and come back. And that's just a single game. Maybe now we're looking at where they, you know, every Chief fan hopes this is the case where they kind of get down early, one and two record, and then come back with a force. Um, because, I mean, I'm, I wasn't worried after the first loss. After I saw what the Chargers did to him, I was like, well, okay. You know, and I don't want to overreact Monday this, but I was a little, you know, and my dad, you know, you, you texted me uh, for anybody listening. My dad is a big Chiefs fan and he gets angry after, you know, they had, you know, let those leads get up in those uh, divisional and championship games. He's known you for know. turning off the TV. Oh, he is. Around. Yeah, he, he gets he gets mad. And so I call him. And he knows exactly what I call him about as soon as Sunday the Chiefs came on. He goes, I can't believe, you know, just he's overreaction Monday on Sunday during the game, you know. Um, So a little cause for concern, I'd say a wee bit. 
they need to come out and handle the Eagles this week and everything will go back kosher. Right. And, you know, it's about winning the division. That's your first priority. And you still get to play everybody that's in front of you in the standings multiple times. Other than the Chargers, you only play one time. You can make up that ground. You're going to be okay. It's not the end of the world. But it's put up or shut up time. Kansas City needs to make a point this week. The Cardinals taking on the Rams. Both teams are 3-0. and Cardinals offense is awesome. Kyler Murray is fantastic. DeAndre Hopkins and company. This is one of the best offenses in football. I really like what I've seen from Arizona. But with that being said, their defense sucks. I know that they have a couple of good players, you know, like, uh, you know, Isaiah Simmons and J.J. Watt and such, but their defense gives up way too many points. The Rams are a complete football team. Matthew Stafford right now would probably be your MVP favorite at this point. Um, he's playing so well. Cooper Cup is off to a career start to the season. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, that defense is great. Yada, yada, yada. Rams are fantastic. With that being said, I think these are two completely different 3-0 teams. The Rams are at the top of the league. The Cardinals are just getting by. I think the Rams win this one and win it pretty easily here. I don't think Arizona is even close to the same 3-0 team that the Rams are, Tom. No, I, I appreciate your being so high on my Rams. Um, you know, they have looked good. Um, Matt Stafford to Cooper Cup, might as well be Brady to Gronk at this point. Um, okay, slow down for a second. I mean, you know, I mean, I, okay. Did, you know, I'm getting a little hype on them. But, I mean, they, Cooper Cup has the leading the NFL through three games in receptions and touchdowns. Um, my fantasy so I'm a, team thinks All right, I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little hype on that. But, you know, the Cardinals – Defense has played solid, I thought. They're very – they're like the Pittsburgh defense was a few years ago or maybe even last year. Very opportunistic. Um, and Chandler Jones has been a monster. Um, so, you know, I think it's important. Rams did a good job not letting the Bucks get to Matt Stafford this past week. Be interested to see if Chandler Jones can impose his will. I don't know if that he will, but I won't doubt if he gets there a couple of times. So, you know, Rams play at home. Um, you got to contain Kyler Murray. I think, you know, if I had a, a key to this game, it's going to be Jalen Ramsey versus Kyler Murray. Um, Rams offense will take care of itself. But as far as the Cardinals can score just as much as the Rams can, in my opinion. Um, so I think it's going to be Ramsey trying to figure out where Kyler Murray's going. They have him in a, in a very odd, different situation. He's not out on an island anymore. Um be interesting to see how that shapes up versus DeAndre Hopkins. Um, yeah. But I think Ramsey will be on assignment for Kyler Murray, trying to lock him down, make sure he didn't get out of the pocket. Uh, he's done a good job on that so far. Seahawks 49ers. Uh, this reminds me of last week's matchup for the 49ers when they took on the Packers. You have a 49ers team that's better up front on the offensive and defensive line, but the Seahawks have the better skill position players with – their, you know, big four of Russ, Chris Carson, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf here. If I'm the Seahawks, Tom, I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers and that Green Bay Packers game plan. That's the blueprint. If you want to find a blueprint, um, that's what they need to do is uh, make this a shootout and uh, go down to the end. Uh, they, they don't want this to be a methodical, grinded-out game. They, this needs to be a back-and-forth for the Seahawks here. Yeah, and I, I think the Seahawks are – at risk of 
of slipping down the down the cracks here. Um, you you got to get one back, in my opinion. You got to figure out a way to get that first divisional game, um, or you you know you kind of risk falling behind. Um, especially if you're going to end up. I mean, right now they're going to end up chasing at least the Cardinals and the Rams. Um, you damn sure don't want to have to chase the 49ers. This is an opportunity to get ahead. It's, I don't know. It's not looking good in Seattle. The Ravens taking on the Broncos. Broncos are at 3-0. Ravens are at 2-1. This is really the first test for the Broncos at this point. Uh, pretty easy schedule through three games. The Ravens uh, look like that they've overcome their running back issues. We mentioned how shorthanded they were. Now, defensively, still no Marcus Peters and – and some injuries to overcome whatnot there. But this would be a really good gauge of where this Broncos team is. Teddy Bridgewater, I know the folks in Denver are talking about him as a pro bowler. I think that's a stretch. But with that being said, Broncos have passed the test to this point, but so far it's been one of those uh, you know true-false tests. This is their first multiple-choice test that they have in front of them going up against Baltimore here. Yeah, it is. It'll be interesting to see how the offense, you know, goes up. You know, Baltimore defense still not terrible. Uh, Patrick Queen, I think, has taken the next step um, on that defense as a kind of almost a leader on that defense. Um, and then, you know, for, you know, Broncos defense, let's see how they, you know, can they contain Lamar Jackson? You said they've had it pretty easy so far. I agree. Um, the, kind of a measuring stick, you know, for both teams, in my opinion. Uh, you know the Ravens have have snuck out a couple and um, and and lost a close one. Can they come out and, and impose their will? I, you know, it'd be interesting to see who ends up winning this game. Um, the Broncos need it. Steelers taking on the Packers. Their offense has been terrible this year. The offensive line's been pathetic. Big Ben, he's about as mobile as a, as a tree limb right now. I mean, the guy can't move at all, and he's playing some of the worst football of his career. Mason Rudolph needs to be the starting quarterback in Pittsburgh. Uh, the Packers, rough week one, but they've been a different team since the second half against the Lions. I think the Packers have figured things out. Packers, I like them big in this game at home against Pittsburgh here. Pittsburgh has given me no reason to think that this team – is going to be worthy of anything as long as Big Ben is that starting quarterback. Um, if you're a Steeler fan at this point, with as tough as that division is, and with knowing that they're committed to Big Ben, I think you're just kind of hoping, all right, well, uh, I guess we're going for a high draft pick or something here. I mean, like, um, I know it's only three weeks, but it, it, I, I have never been more down on the Steelers than I am right now. Uh, it, it's so disappointing because we know – what this team is really capable of, but they have a an old quarterback that should be retired that's holding them back here. How long has he got, Jones? He should have retired yesterday. I mean, now how long has he got as a starting quarterback? How long before they they make Rudolph the starter? I think they're going to be generous to Ben and give him a, at least a few more weeks, but he he, he shouldn't be starting anyway. I mean, yeah, I, I'm surprised he wouldn't, you know, hold that clipboard it's it's not the most gracious of falls i saw someone say big ben looks like a broken clock tower that's a good point yeah and uh in green bay i mean they've got it together man once 
that that touchdown drive uh, or the uh, the game winning field goal drive, thirty seven seconds. Aaron Rodgers, Tom, I'm sure you're watching that game too, and said, "Yep, Aaron's about to do it. He's going to get it done." Even the I mean, even the Packers fans in the sand said, "There, you know, they there's too much time left. Of them, yep, too much time left. Not even a timeout, and he still made that happen." I, I mean, that was a hell of a catch, and that was a hell of a throw by him to Devontae Adams over the middle. That was about it. as Aaron Rodgers as you can get. I mean, what he did on Sunday night, that was like – that was a sports boner moment right there. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure, especially if you're a Packers fan. And, and you know – I mean, I'm not a Packers fan. I, I just loved it, you know. I, you know, I we, we talk about it as, as last year in Green Bay. Could be. Um, but man, how do you how do you want to move on from an Aaron Rodgers? How do you let that man get you know dissatisfied with where he's at on the team, and he comes out and pulls out games like that almost each and every week? It feels like, or you know, when it's time to do it, he does it. Last one for you: the uh, Patriots taking on the Bucks that game on Sunday night. Tom Brady's return to New England. It's going to be emotional. We're, we've already heard the whispers this week about, you know, Brady didn't want to be with Belichick and that he was ready to leave and Belichick didn't even tell him goodbye in person and such. We've heard those whispers. We saw how much Mac Jones struggled last week and now he's going to, you know, be facing the guy he replaced head on and such. Um, we know when, when Tom Brady goes savage mode, I mean, it's just game over for everybody else. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a little chippy and gets him some guys' faces like he did Tyron Matthew in the Super Bowl or something here. Um, this night's all about Tom Brady. I bet he and Bill will be cordial and such, but watch out. Tom Brady's going to unleash. This is going to be his night. I think the Bucks win this one, and they win this one big, Tom. I think that they make a statement here. Yeah, Tom Brady's not losing this game. There's no way. I mean, I would bet the house almost on that the Bucks will win this game. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see Mac Jones do well, um, but this ain't the time for it. Um, and I, I think everybody in, in you know, Fox Perot is going to know that. Uh, Tom Brady's going to have that look on his face. Probably already does. I can't wait. Should be a lot of fun. Sunday night, Bucks and Patriots. Clint Shelf going to join us next. Also got our – uh, football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group with Coach Bo coming up later on, as well as our Tom Fullery story of the week as well. More to come. Stay with us here at the Jones Report. <laughs> Joining us now here at the Jones Report this week, former Oklahoma State quarterback Clint Shelf is here to break down all things Oklahoma State Cowboys and go around the Big 12 Conference. And he joins us right now. Clint, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. What's going on with you these days? Oh man, just uh, just working, getting a little rain showers outside, uh, trying to stay dry a little bit and, and uh, get ready for the week. And man, you're staying so busy now with uh, the insurance side of things and also the uh, OSU radio network. Tell me about the uh, stuff you're up to now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my dad and I, we have, we have an insurance agency, uh, mainly ag-focused uh, crop insurance for the most part. Uh, it's called Shelf Insurance. Original name, I know, but uh, it works. So, uh, yeah, doing that. And then, uh, yeah, I work with, with Dave Hunziker and the guys on the radio, do the pregame radio show with uh, Adam uh, Adam and Dion. And, uh, 
you know, it's, it's, it's nice to get to stay in touch with, with uh, cowboy football, do a little, do a little bit of radio. And uh, you know, I've got, I've got a face for radio. So. <laughs> well, uh, Clint, what, what's it been like for you to transition to this side of things now that, you know, you were a player obviously, but to, to be on the media side, uh, how's that been to, to see it from that perspective? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think really just the work that goes into it, you know, I mean, it, it's not just asking questions, you know, you've got to, you've got to prepare each week. You got to, you've got to know what's going on. And so, um, you know, I think that part of it is what I really like, you know, staying in touch, like I said, and, and kind of following Oklahoma state, following the players and, and understanding, you know, the ins and outs of, of, of what, you know, you've got to do from this side of it opposed to, you know, being on the other side, just getting asked questions. Yeah. And uh, still being a part of Oklahoma state too, uh, being a part of their radio network. Uh, does it still feel like you're, you're part of the, the team and the, in the school and such? What's, what's that like of uh, your attachment still to, to Mike Gundy and everything? man? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's actually our, our alumni weekend this weekend for football. So it's kind of a good time. Uh, I was just texting with, with one of the equipment guys, the main equipment guy, Justin Williams this morning. So, uh, you know, good to build those relationships and kind of, uh, you know, keep cultivating those. And, and from this side of it, um, you know, being on the radio, I get to go to practice. So I, I can go to practice, you know, especially in the spring or, or fall opening camp. So I can kind of see, you know, what the team looks like and still talk, you know, to the, to the weight room guys, the equipment guys. And, and those are the guys, you know, that, that, that I really miss, um, you know, cause those guys are always there and they, they stay there for a long time. So it's, it's the same guys that from when I was there 10 years ago. So, um, you know, the, the radio part of it really, really allows me to get, get back and, and, and meet those guys, talk to them and get to, you know, kind of hang out around practice. Clint, what I think of when I look back on your OSU career every time is that one touchdown run you had and the Gus Johnson call when he said that you had running from the cop speed. How many times have you gone back and watched that since that moment? <laughs> you know, I don't know how many times I've gone back and watched it, but I probably get, get uh, you know, recognized for that or somebody realizes, um, you know, that they may not recognize because of the helmet, but, uh, you know, whenever, you know, I introduce myself, that, that's what they think of. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it's cool. It happens more often uh, than you probably think, um, especially I'm living in Tulsa now with my wife and, and this is kind of OSU country. So uh, people may not, may, may not recognize me when they hear the name, they, they always remember the Gus Johnson call. <laughs> Did you ever talk to Gus after that? You know, I've met him uh, one time actually through radio. Uh, I was up in the booth, and, and and him and Joel were doing doing an Oklahoma State game, and, and I introduced myself, and, and and that's the first thing he said, and the first thing that he thought of. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. We didn't get to discuss it, you know, it's kind of in passing, uh, but but he he's a really cool guy, great announcer, um, and so yeah, that that was a pretty cool pretty cool deal. Yeah, and that game against Texas Tech too, that was just electric. Uh, that was a, a high scoring affair, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I, I didn't have I didn't have the best game uh, outside of outside of that run. I think I threw two picks, maybe, but uh, you know, we came away with the win in Lubbock, which is which is always the goal. It's a tough place to play, uh, so you know, it is what it is. You know, sometimes you you, you make some bad decisions, throw some bad balls, but uh, you know, my legs made up for it that that day. <laughs> well, Clint, let's uh, let's start with the Oklahoma State Cowboys, the team you cover, taking on Baylor this week. They've moved into the top twenty-five. The offense finally came alive last week. Do you think this offense has figured things out now? You know, I hope so. Um, you know, it, it's always tough early in the season um, when you've got guys out. And a lot of the skill position players, you know, with Tay Martin getting banged up and some other guys 
you know, not being in lineup, that makes it tough on a quarterback. And obviously Spencer missed the first game. So, um, you know, just kind of a unique start to the, to the, to the season for, for us. And, uh, you know, it's been that way, you know, last year we, we were banged up, especially along the offensive line. So, um, you know, I, I really think they're, they're just getting, they're just getting their feet under, them. you know, they're all, they're all getting healthy. They're getting in the lineup. They're getting some reps together. Um, and so, you know, this week would be a good test. I, I think last week, like you said, we made some some uh, steps in the in the right direction on the passing game. Obviously, we've been able to run the football, uh, which which is which is a saving grace so far this season. But uh, you know, as you get into to the uh, to the conference schedule, it's going to be tough to you know be if you're one dimensional, it's tough to win games. Uh, so so we've got to see that that passing game continue to get better. And, and this is a good test for Spencer and the guys this week. Well, and, and you look at Spencer. We know he's got potential. He's got talent. He's come up big at times throughout his career. Do you think that Spencer can take another step up? Do you think there's still more improvement that, uh, that can be had for, for Spencer uh, Sanders out there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, the main thing for Spencer is his decision-making. Um, he, he's gone a couple games in a row now. I, I, I want to say, um, you know, it, it had been a while, maybe not in his career since he hadn't thrown a pick in back-to-back games. And so, um, you know, that's a big, that's a big step that shows, that shows maturity, that shows decision-making. Um, you know, he, he's obviously a tremendous athlete. And so he's always going to be able to pull the ball down and run. And I think he's, he's kind of taken it uh, maybe, maybe to the opposite level where he wants to develop it as a pocket passer so much. He wants to, to show that he's a polished pocket passer that he's not using his athleticism enough sometimes. So, um, you know, I think, I think he's just got to continue to make good decisions, especially when to pull the ball down and run and, and also, you know, hang in the pocket, make a throw or throw it away. So I think yeah. that there's a lot, lot, lot of stuff that, uh, you know, a lot of room for improvement. He's a, he's a great player, um, but he can always get better. And I, I'm sure he would tell you that. You mentioned the uh, running game for OSU, man. Uh, they've been spectacular running the football. Uh, I mean, you, you look back at that Boise state game when the passing game was just off the running game filled such a void, such a vacuum. I've been so impressed with that. And, and uh, the, the guys there, I mean, it's not just one guy. I mean, they've been having uh, a couple guys that run the ball well for them, it seems. Yeah, you know, coming into this year, um, L.D. Brown was going to be kind of the heir apparent. And, um, you know, he, he struggled with, with some injuries. And, and um, you know, Desmond Jackson, he finished strong last year when he got to play. You know, he had, he had a couple big games with a lot of carries and looked great. And then, you know, you get a third guy, Jalen Warren comes in and Jalen's looked great. He's obviously been carrying the load. He's been healthy back and, and looks to be extremely explosive. So, um, you know, it's always good. that that's something that Oklahoma State ha- has typically always had is, is good running backs and good running games. So, um, you know, Jalen's just kind of taken up that mantle. He got his opportunity and, and you know, he's kind of ran with it. Yeah, uh, that, that's for sure. And uh, the offensive line. There were some question marks going into 2021 about that offensive line, but it seems like that they've they've done their part to this point. Yeah, you know, anytime you, you rush for for how many yards we did against Boise State, the offensive line has to get some credit. Uh, you know, I think I think it's easier for those guys um, as a unit to, to to run block as opposed to pass blocking sometimes, which is which is you know a room an area for for some growth. But Coach Dickey's done a great job with those guys, and um, you know that offensive line. It's all about. It's all about gelling. It's all about being on the same page and, and getting reps together, game reps together. And, and they've had, you know, a little bit of a uh, revolving door at some of those positions, moving guys around, right guard, left tackle, left tackle, you know, just kind of um, having to figure out what works best and, and play to each guy's strength. And I think, you know, as we get into conference play, they're, they're kind of finding their stride as well. Um, and hopefully, you know, they can continue that run blocking, but also, 
you know, allow Spencer some more uh, more time so we can get some deep shots off. And I think that that's really the thing, the first three games that our offense was lacking was was that protection so that we could get him to, to be able to take some deep shots down the field and stretch the defense. Now, now, Clint, you know, one of the things I think of when when I think Oklahoma State football, and I think everybody's this way, is just how dynamic the offenses have been when it comes to the air attack over the years and all the great receivers that have come through Oklahoma State and such. But the way that they're running the football so much, uh, comparably speaking, with uh, Casey Dunn calling the plays, is this offense significantly different than it was under previous OCs, or is it just kind of playing to the strengths of what they have? Uh, tell me about that. What, what's going on with how Casey Dunn's calling plays with this Oklahoma State team, comparably speaking to maybe this, some of the previous coordinators they've had there at Oklahoma State? Yeah, you know, I think I think especially from from when I was there, you know, we were all up tempo, um, you know, go as fast as you can, and and it, that kind of wore your defense out. And and Coach Gunn, you realize that that if the defense is worn out, um, then then they have to really hang their hat on turnovers. And I think you've seen in the last few years, and the offensive coordinators have realized that you know let's try to save our defense. And you've looked at Jim Jim Knowles' unit the last few years; they've been one of the best in the country. And I think that that's a big product of the offense, that the type that we're running, and that's more of you know not necessarily go as fast as you can. There are periods of time where you want to go fast, you want to go up tempo, but not doing it all the time. And I think the running game lends itself to, to keeping that defense fresh as well. So, um, you know, I think Coach Coach Dunn's doing a good job. I think, like you said, I think this year he's, he's mainly playing towards the strength. You look at, especially the Boise game, um, you know, with all the receivers, the guys we had out, um, to, to run the ball was really the answer there. Um, you know, it was just hard when you've got fresh, three freshman receivers, however many we had rotating in to, to, you know, be able to trust them, especially on the road. Um, so, you know, I think Coach Coach Dunn is doing a great job playing to the strength, like I said, with the offensive line, putting those guys in position to where, um, you know, you can maximize their ability. I think he's really trying to do that overall with the offense. And, uh, you know, it's been successful so far. Yeah, uh, certainly seems to be that way uh, for sure on that front. And and on that offense, though, a, a guy we mentioned the receivers. I love the Presley kid, Clint. I mean, this guy. You know, I I, I know I'm from the Tulsa area originally, so I'm always a little biased towards these Tulsa guys. But yeah. Presley and you know his brothers coming up too. I mean, what what a what a, a dude! This guy's got some unreal speed. I, I'm excited to see what he he, he can do. I mean, he's not even close to his ceiling yet. Oh, absolutely not. You know, he, he's taken a couple licks, I think, uh, especially in the, in the Boise game. He got hit pretty hard uh, and then in the Tulsa game as well. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's electric. I, he's one of the guys that you game plan to get him the ball. You want to manufacture touches for him because, you know, what he can do in space is, is unbelievable. And his brother, his brother will be the same way. But, um, yeah, he's, he's got a lot of talent. He's got a long ways to go, I think. Uh, you know, maybe one more year in that, in that Coach Glass program and get his body where it needs to be. But, uh, you know, he was one of the guys coming into this year that I was really excited to watch. Uh, when I was playing, we had a guy uh, similar to him, Josh Stewart, um, mm -hmm. th that we manufactured touches for, slot guy. We wanted to get him the ball, get him the ball in space because, you know, they're, they're just hard to tackle. And so, um, you know, coming into this year, that's really who I wanted to watch and see how they used him. And, uh, you know, I think, I think there's some things that we'll be seeing in conference play where we're going to really try to get him the ball uh, and allow him to, to make guys miss and make plays. Tell me about the defense. This unit looks really good right now. You could argue as good as any defensive unit in the Big 12 right now. I imagine, uh, Clint, you're you're glad you're not having to go up against these guys every day. Yeah, yeah, uh, they are. They're they're a solid unit. You know, they've uh, you know recently 
had some injuries as well, but um, you know, they're stout uh, and hopefully they'll get better when we get some guys back to trace Fords and, and those type of guys that are, that are difference makers. But um, yeah, you know, I, 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 that makes your offense better, you know, going against a defense like that every day in practice. When I was there my senior year, we had a great defense. We had, you know, Caleb Levy, Justin Gilbert. We had a bunch of guys that had played for a long time and we had a really solid unit and that made us better uh, as an offense. We knew, uh, you know, the best defense we'd probably face was one that we were facing in practice. And so you know, that always, that iron sharpens iron type type of mentality and that helps the offense. But, but Jim Knowles, he's done a great job uh, the last few years. He's, He's worked in blitzes and pressures and, and uh, you know, when he needs to. And, and the big thing that this defense hangs their hat on as they have the last last couple of years is third downs. And they've been they've been able to get it done on third downs. And that's you know, that's what you need uh, in this league to, to get off get off the field and get your offense back to the ball. I remember a couple of years back, you know, these Oklahoma State defenses were all about, you know, forcing turnovers. And, you know, is either they were going to give up a touchdown or they're going to force a turnover one of the two. And now it yeah. seems like Jim Knowles has gotten away from that a bit where it's the focus of, all right, let's, let's get those three and outs. Let's get those stops on third down. A whole different mentality uh, than some of those previous Oklahoma State defenses. Is that what you're seeing too? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think uh, we're having our, our alumni game this – or not game, our, our alumni reunion this weekend, and they're, and they're featuring the 2011 team. And, and the 2011 team – uh, the Big 12 championship team, they, I, I want to say we were number one in turnovers uh, in the country that year. They were, That's yes. That's what they hung their hat on. Um, and, and like you said, nowadays, um, you know, you're not just, you're not just hoping for a turnover. You know, turnovers aren't that sticky of a stat year to year. I mean, you, you can be good at it. You can be good at forcing turnovers, but um, you're not always going to be, you know, getting, getting turnovers game to game. Um, and so I think, you know, being more consistent, having a guy like Jim Knowles that, that, um, you know, really just preaches getting off the field, being more solid, being, you know, not just, not just relying on those. And I think that's something that coach Gundy has, has bought in uh, from the top. I think that that's why you see the offense type that we're playing now, as opposed to the Dana, the, the Munkin days uh, where it's just up tempo because that wears out that defense. And it's hard for them when they're on the field, that many, that many snaps to, uh, to be that solid of a unit. Well, what I think of in comparison is, you know, Look at, like, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, for example. This is a team that has, you know, all the weapons you could think of in the National Football League. But if they're playing to win the game with four or five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, they're going to do everything they can to run out that clock and not score quickly just because they can. I mean, uh, sometimes you have to help out your defense in that effect. If it's happening at that level, then you can back it down and do that at the college level, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, they go hand in hand more, more than people realize. Um, and I, I think it all starts with, you know, the number of snaps, number of snaps that, that, a, uh, that a defense has to be on the field when, when they're fresh, uh, then, then they can play better and uh, react quicker because defense is all about reaction. So, um, yeah, you look at that at the top level. I think if you if you watched uh, – watched the the Niners and the, and the Packers this last yeah. week they were trying to do the same thing and they thought they thought they they didn't leave enough time with 30 seconds or 40 seconds and, and Rogers still got them down the field so um yeah you know it goes hand in hand quite a bit and I think like like I said I think that's that starts at, at the top with coach Gundy he saw that um and he wanted to have a, a defensive unit uh that that wasn't so heavily reliant on turnovers but was also you know just more consistent yeah, yeah. We're talking to uh, Clint Shelf here on the Jones Report this week as we're talking all things Oklahoma State football. Big game against Baylor 
this Saturday. Last week was a big test against a top 25 team in K-State at home. Now you play another top 25 team in Baylor here. What stands out to you about the Bears? What's going to be the challenge for Oklahoma State here? You know, I haven't been able to dig in dig in yet on 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 Baylor. I, I try to uh, do do a little bit of a work in the week and then dig in on the later in the week. But um, you know, I think I think they're well coached. I think I think they've done a great job uh, recruiting and, and getting guys in there that, that are their type of guys, and, and that's really what you need. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see a team that 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 uh, you know played really well this last weekend. I think Iowa State, um, you know, obviously I'm familiar with Iowa State and for them to, to beat Iowa State really, really shows you, um, you know, what they're about and, and, and you know, how, how tough of a challenge it's going to be. Yeah, and then you talk about this stretch between Boise, K-State, and Baylor. Um, we're, we're, I feel like we're really going to know who this Oklahoma State team is uh, after this week. Uh, I mean, that's quite the uh, the challenge of games they've been through through this uh, this stretch these last few weeks yeah a little bit of a gauntlet I think maybe maybe the uh, the big 12 is, is a little bit better than people thought in football maybe you know I don't know but uh, yeah Kansas State uh, Baylor coming you know becoming ranked and, and Oklahoma State obviously obviously uh, getting ranked this week but uh, you know you look at West Virginia as well um, and West Virginia is a team that that played OU tight and, and so I think you look at the, the quality of football that's being played across the big 12 and um, you know it, it, it's it's going to be tough all year this is a this is a tough stretch but um, you know we still got you know Texas OU West Virginia on the schedule as well so yeah. um, like you said you'll know a lot more about your team after these few games um, and and so I look forward to, to another challenge this week yeah, and uh, speaking of the Big 12, I know you guys are always keeping tabs on uh, that team down south in Norman. You know, OU gets by in a close one last week against West Virginia. Um, you yeah. know, we, we hear all this stuff about, you know, the, the, the crowd chanting at Spencer Rattler and, you know, calling for Caleb Williams and such. Um, if, if you were in Spencer's shoes and such, I mean – uh, w- would you embrace that or would it kind of get to you? What, what do you think uh, Spencer is going through, you know, through through this week of reacting to what the fans uh, had to say for him and such? I mean, ultimately, he, he I guess he had the final say with getting that uh, game-winning drive, though. Yeah, you know, it's hard. I mean, listen, I'd love to be able to sit here and say, no, you know, it doesn't affect me. You know, I hate, you know, I'm here to play football, didn't really care, but when a whole, when 60,000 people or however, you know, 80,000, 100,000, however many are there chanting at you, uh, you know, it's tough. And, and these are kids and I think people forget that. Um, so, you know, he, like you said, he got the last word, but, but to say that, you know, that didn't affect him at all, I, I think would be, uh, would be misleading. Um, you know, that, that's, that's a tough situation and, and, you know, it doesn't matter the team, you know, you hate to see that for a kid that, that's just, you know, trying to do his best, but um, ultimately, uh, you know, I think he'll, he'll be fine. Uh, he's just, you know, working through a few things and, you know, I don't know the ins and outs, but he's, he's got Lincoln Riley. And I think that that's, uh, that's all you need to play quarterback at this level, really. Yeah. And uh, that Oklahoma team maybe hasn't quite played up to their standard of what we're accustomed to. What do you, what do you think of that OU team uh, of where they're at right now? Do you think this team's going to improve or is this kind of who they are right now? Yeah, you know, I'll I'll never count out uh, an OU team, especially especially when they've been winning games. It doesn't really matter what it looks like as long as you win the games. Um, and, and they've got they've got some good tests upcoming. You know, I know they've got 
Kansas State this weekend, who who has typically been a little bit of a thorn in their side, and and then they've got the big one against Texas, and I think Texas is, is a really good football team. So, um, you know, I think we'll know more. And, and OU seems to always come to play um, against the against the games that uh, against the teams that that are perceived as a threat or or as a good team. And um, you know, historically, I feel like that's why they've had some issues with Kansas State. I feel like you know that may be a team that that that's not Oklahoma State, that's not Texas, it's not Iowa State that. Uh, you know, has been able to sneak up on them. And so I think this year they'll be, they'll be prepared for them, especially coming off a, a close home, home win against West Virginia. And, and um, you know, I think they'll be fine. I'm not, I'll never count out the, the Oklahoma Sooners. You know, I, I've been around for too long. I've had yeah. to play them. So um, yeah, if, if they're, if they're anywhere close, I'm sure, I'm sure that they'll be fine. Well, and you mentioned Texas, uh, you know, Casey Thompson's taking over at quarterback and their offense just really unleashed last week. Uh, putting seventy on uh, on Texas Tech. What do, what do you make of that uh, that Texas team down there? Uh, I mean, it seems like uh, they're a whole another level since that quarterback change there with Casey and another Oklahoma high school town too. Yeah, he looks incredible. Um, you know, I was able to watch a lot of the game this, this past week, and um, you know, just just really impressed with him and surprised that that uh, you know Hudson Hudson Card was ahead of him, honestly, but. Um, you know, Bijan Robinson, I think, is the real deal. I think he's he's a uh, he's going to be the whenever he decides to come out and get drafted, he'll be the be the best running back taken. And I think he's he's an absolute stud. But um, you know, again, they've got another, they've got TCU, I believe, this week, and and, yes. and TCU has has been successful against them in the last you know whatever ten years, and and has been able to kind of be a thorn in their side. So um, for Sark and those guys, I I think this is a big week to kind of show that you know they're not the typical typical Texas that we've seen in the past. Right. Um, and, and, and now that they've got a dynamic guy at quarterback, uh, you know, I think, I think the big 12 needs to watch out. Uh, I, I watched that game last week and, and I, I was really impressed and, and, you know, I haven't been able to watch a, a, a ton of Texas tech football yet uh, since, since we haven't, we're not, you know, going to play them, but um, you know, I think that that's a solid unit that they did that against. I think that, that they're the real deal. And I think, uh, I think Texas is going to be, be tough to beat in big 12 play this year. Well, and, and that loss to Arkansas doesn't look so bad now either for Texas. Uh, when you consider that, yeah. you know, Carr was the you know the the quarterback and how good Arkansas is, Texas, uh, you know, certainly a threat to uh, you know, contend for the Big Twelve. Uh, it, it looks like they've gotten over some of those those woes of the past of some sorts. Uh, they're they're going to be tough to deal with for everybody. Uh, it, it, it would appear now. Yeah, yeah, you know the the transitive property wins. Arkansas is looking quite a bit better now, and, and now they've got, uh, I believe they've got Georgia this week. So yeah. you know another another game where they can make a statement if they play well there, then then you know that'll give Texas even more, you know, a little bit more confidence. So um, yeah, I really do. I, I was really impressed uh, being able to watch that game this this last weekend with, with Casey Thompson. I thought I thought he looked like like a dynamic player, uh, much like Rattler and Spencer Sanders and some of these other guys, and I think. Um, you know, w- with a guy like like Sarkeesian back there that can dial up plays, I think that that's a that's a, going to be a pretty good combo. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, a couple more things for you, uh, Clint. Want to ask you about one more Big Twelve team here? Uh, Iowa State, two losses already. We mentioned Baylor this past weekend, Iowa a couple weeks ago. This was a team with high expectations, preseason top ten, two preseason All Americans on that offense. What happened to Iowa State, Clint? 
you know, much like Oklahoma State last year. I think they're going through the same thing uh, that we went through last year. You look at look at who are returning with, with with Tuba, with Tylen, with Spencer. We had a big three coming back. They had, you know, they always obviously had had Purdy and Brees Hall coming back. And and you look at it, and fans see that, and they see star power. They see guys that uh, you know are skill position that make plays. But you know, a lot of the, those wins come down. I think if you ask Tuba from last year, come down to how good your offensive line is, how good your defense is. And, and I think Iowa State struggled, um, you know, in those, those areas a little bit. Purdy hasn't been uh, as sharp as he typically has the last few years. So, um, you know, I, I can definitely feel for him. I, I felt the exact same way last year when, when we had all those guys returning and then we had our offensive line just completely decimated by injuries and, and you know, uh, felt for those skill position guys that took a hit, especially the ones that, you know, maybe their draft stock didn't, didn't, uh, didn't turn out so well, but, you know, I think I think Iowa State is still a well-coached team. They, they've, uh, you know, against Iowa, those rivalry games are always tough. Mm-hmm. As somebody who has a, an in-state rival that's always really good, you know, we understand that. Uh, and Iowa uh, just had a good game plan. And Iowa was a team that, um, you know, may have not as been getting as much respect as they thought they should have in the preseason polls and came out and had a good game plan. And Iowa State kind of, you know, they didn't play well. I mean, we can say, we can call it like it is. They, they turned the ball over um, in, in some inopportune times against against them. And, and then, you know, that first loss happens and, and you have all this hype. You kind of feel like your season's down the drain. And then and then a team like Baylor sneaks up on you. So, um, you know, hopefully hopefully Matt Campbell and the guys can, can rally and, 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 you know, turn in a good year. Um, but I think, you know, it's just hard when you, when you have all those expectations, you lose early in the season, you kind of feel like your, your, uh, your season gone, went down the drain. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, let me ask you about the uh, new look, big 12, bring it in Cincinnati, BYU, Central Florida and Houston with Oklahoma and Texas on the way out. What do you make of this, uh, this new league uh, that, that we're about to see here in the next couple of years, Clint? You know, it looks pretty good this year, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. uh, Cincinnati's been, been, been really good. BYU obviously looks pretty good. Um, you know, it, it, it's, you know, I think, it, I think it stinks to be honest. Um, I think um, it's all about money. It's not really about anything else. And, and um, you know, not to get too philosophical, I guess, but um, you know, money's not really everything and, and especially in, in college athletics, but um, you know, I think Texas and, and, and Oklahoma had from the numbers that I've heard, you know, they kind of had to take that deal that, the, the financial gain was just so big, but um, yeah, you know, I think it's exciting to get some new blood in and keep, keep the league together. I think, um, you know, obviously without having a flagship school, somebody's going to have to step up and hopefully that's, that can be Oklahoma state, but um, you know, BYU bringing in a, a big brand that Houston area is a great, great area to, to recruit. You want to have Houston, you want to have Texas still uh, to recruit. And then obviously opening up a new market with Florida and, and UCF is, is, is a huge recruiting advantage as well. So, um, you know, good teams, they look great this year. Hopefully they can keep winning. I know uh, I, I never really cheered for, for BYU or Cincinnati, but um, you know, this year, I hope that I hope they do as well as they can and, and, and you know, win it all if they can. And, and, and uh, Oklahoma state's not there to do so. Yeah. And for Oklahoma state with this new league, uh, is there an opportunity to kind of get out of OU's shadow of some sorts? Do you think that they can maybe use this as a, a chance to, to build off their own brand of sorts here? What does this all mean for OSU, you think? Yeah, you know, I think I think it's a great opportunity to get out of their shadow. Um, 
nationally, I think, uh, you know, it'll still be considered a power five conference. And so if you win a power five conference, then you win a power five conference. Right. And so Oklahoma state will have a good opportunity to be one of the teams that uh, can pick up that mantle. It's not just, uh, you know, we are the closest school, we are a rival of theirs, but but it's an opportunity for everybody to get out of OU shadow. I mean, they, they've dominated this league for years. Uh, if Texas was saying it'd be an opportunity for Texas to get out of their shadow, yeah. but they're going with them. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, I, I think it puts us in a great position to, uh, to hang some banners. And, uh, you know, if we do, I don't think anybody can discredit them uh, because of the teams we're bringing in are, um, are good teams. Well, and, and uh, for the future of this program too, I mean, you you saw your you saw it firsthand. You were you're there at the you know just not too long ago, and around this program, the facilities at Oklahoma State are fantastic. Stadium's great. I mean, everything is built for Oklahoma State to take that next step. It's just a matter of uh, it, it feels like uh, you know when, not if, Clint. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I always look at it and then and, and we're talking about it through a through a football lens and perspective. But, um, you know, I, I'd be you'd be hard pressed to find a better athletic department in all of the Big 12, including Oklahoma and Texas, with, with what Oklahoma State's done the last few years across the board and, and men's and women's sports and the facilities, you know, the new baseball stadium, uh, we're redoing the uh, the wrestling room. And, and so, um, you know, I think the athletic department is in a, in a great spot. Um, I think, you know, those, those programs, unfortunately, get overshadowed by football a little bit. Um, but I think, uh, you know, like I said, Oklahoma State is, is in a great spot, top to bottom, men's and women's side, to, to take that next step and, and be able to recruit those areas. And, and I think, um, you know, having those facilities is always a benefit. And, and you want to stay ahead of the curve in that area. And, and we've done a great job raising money to do that. Clint, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Uh, I, I would love to see this media career take off for you or – maybe uh, get into some coaching or something. Uh, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Where can people uh, follow you and, and uh, catch up with all, what you're doing, man? Yeah, I, I appreciate it, Tyler. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's always good to, to, to talk to a fellow, fellow Tolson, uh, even though I was born in Eden, I'm, I'm living in Tolson now. But yeah, I've got a, got a, a Twitter account, uh, Clint Shelf, at CChelf10, and an Instagram account. If you want to follow me, please do so. Uh, it's not all – Radio and football talk, we keep it light and fun. So, uh, yeah, uh, give me a follow if you want. I'm on Facebook, pretty much accept all, all uh, friend requests. So, uh, yeah, if you want to be my friend on Facebook, follow me on there as well. Awesome stuff. Clint Shelf joining us here at the Jones Report this week. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. For all things O'Connor Advisory Group, you can also reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 785-856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. And uh, also check out Bo on Facebook, also by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com. That's brian with a y.oconnor at lpl.com. And Coach Bo joins us right now from the undisclosed location. Bo, how are we doing this week? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's been a good week. We had our uh, biannual uh, audit, internal audit with LPL Financial. We got glowing reviews. So that's always a very good thing. So we're very happy. And uh, this is going into the time of year, you know, summer's over. Summer's over. So now we get into the serious time of year, October, November, December, not just football time, but with O'Connor Advisor, could be fine. This is the best time 
if you just want to start looking at your broad financial stuff, this is the best time of year to do it. We've got a little more time. We can take on more clients and it's the best time of year to start thinking about the future. So. Yeah. For more on that, all things O'Connor Advisor Group, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. Bo, let's start out with our pigskin pick'em. You had a really good week last week. Eight and two, that brings you to a tie for first place with TJ at 29 at a, or 21 in 19 overall. I had a decent week. I went six and four. That puts me at 19 and 21 overall. So I'm just two games back of you. Thomas sitting uh, a game back of me. He had a decent week last week going six and four. He's 18 and 22 overall. So standings getting tighter as we enter week number five. Let's go ahead and go over the slate of games this week. It starts with number eight, Arkansas, taking on number two, Georgia. The Dogs, an 18-and-a-half point favorite at home. Number 12, Ole Miss, taking on number one, Alabama. The Tide, a 14-and-a-half point favorite at home. Number 21, Baylor, taking on number 19, Oklahoma State in Stillwater. The Pokes, a three-and-a-half point favorite. Number seven, Cincinnati, taking on number nine, Notre Dame. Cincinnati, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Number six, Oklahoma, traveling to Manhattan to take on K-State. The Sooners, a ten-and-a-half-point favorite. In the NFL, the Cardinals taking on the Rams. The Rams, a six-point favorite at home. The Raiders face the Chargers, also at SoFi Stadium. The Chargers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The Bucs face the Patriots. Bucs favored by six-and-a-half. Ravens host the Broncos, or uh, the, the Broncos, rather, host the Ravens in Denver. The uh, Broncos are a one-point favorite. And the Cowboys host the Panthers. Cowboys are a four-point favorite. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's start with the college games. Bo, number eight, Arkansas, number two, Georgia. Georgia favored by 18-and-a-half at home. What do you think? I like Georgia a lot. I like their team a lot. This is a huge number of points. <laughs> I think I, I'm taking Arkansas. I I don't know if Arkansas is really for real, but we're going to know if they're for real this week. I mean, how they play against Georgia. I think they'll play a solid game and keep this under 18 and a half. That's just a big number. Now, this is a 10, 8, 10 point game maybe, if I had to guess, but – that number's too wide. I like Arkansas plus those numbers. I think Arkansas is too good up front on both sides of the ball to let this game get away. I think they'd lose, but 18 and a half, too many points. I think they can keep this within two touchdowns and make it respectable. Um, I'm going to go with Arkansas to a cover as well, that 18 and a half point margin. Number 12, Ole Miss taking on number one, Alabama. The Tide, a 14 and a half point favorite. Bo? You know the stat as it goes that no Nick Saban assistant has ever beaten Nick Saban. Does that change this week with Lane Kiffin and company coming to town? No, no, it doesn't. And I actually like Bama to cover too. I think that, look, he, Saban has a little something extra when he plays his ex-coaches. He's just a coach he does not like to lose. And not only do they not win, they usually win in a big way. And I expect them to win right at this spread, 14 to 17 points. I, I think that Ole Miss is on the come up, and they've got some athletes, and they can score some points. But they haven't run into a defense like Bama, and I like Bama here. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Bama. Uh, I think Ole Miss has done a good job. You know, they're, they're a decent football team. Lane Kiffin is uh, doing solid there. I like what he's yeah. built with that Ole Miss program. They're on the up-and-coming but they're not within a 14-and-a-half-point margin of Alabama just yet. Give me the tide to cover that one at home. 
Baylor taking on Oklahoma State. Both teams with nice wins in league play last week. Baylor beating Iowa State, Oklahoma State with a uh, solid win over K-State. Pokes are at home, favored by three and a half. Bo, what do you think of this one? This is a tough game. This can go either way. Um, because of that, I'm taking Baylor. But I can totally see Oklahoma State just running away here, too. Oklahoma State's come off big wins against K-State last week. Baylor, uh, Boise the week before, uh, going up to Boise and winning. But Baylor's played great. Now, yes, they've played Kansas. Uh, they had another game earlier in the year that was a big blowout. Uh, but David Rand has done a good job there. I think they're solid. And I think because of that, I think it's those games where I'll take the three in the hook here. And what I think it's going to be a close game either way. I'll disagree with you. I'm going with Oklahoma State here. I like the Cowboys in this one. Uh, you know, the, the offense really came alive last week, and they have what I believe is the best defense in the Big 12 Conference. I'll go with the home team. Give me Oklahoma State to win with that uh, three-and-a-half-point margin there. Number seven, Cincinnati taking on number nine, Notre Dame. Cincinnati, a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. We're going to dive more in-depth on Cincinnati in just a few minutes, but – before we do, just looking at this game, Bo, what a matchup we have here. I mean, uh, this is as good as it gets for a non-conference game. I I'm excited to see these two teams square off. Yeah, you know, this is, you know, don't be fooled by Notre Dame scoring 41 points last week. You know, the last two scores were defensive scores when Wisconsin threw uh, two pick sixes. Um, I like Cincinnati here. I think they're a team who – get into a playoff or we'll talk a little more about that and i think i think this is the beginning of a three-game losing streak for Notre day yeah um you look last week notre dame all those points they had was a lot of mistakes by wisconsin yes yeah. they did take advantage of it but they were down entering the fourth quarter of that game so yeah. notre dame is a good team how but they're not a great team yeah, I think it has more to do with how bad Wisconsin played. Right. And Notre Dame, I think, is just solid. I mean, they're a solid middling-ranked team. They're not going to be a team that's going to beat a potential playoff team. And this is Cincinnati's national championship right here. Uh, this, is their, this is the game. This is the biggest game in school history. Yeah, they have to win this game if they have a playoff show. Yeah. So I, I think they will win the game. I think Notre Dame's going to go into a bit of a tailspin only because the opponents next two weeks, uh, they got to go to Virginia Tech next week. And then they're coming back home to play USC. And I'll be at that game. And USC is not going to let me down by losing when I'm in the building. So uh, I'm going to take Notre Dame to lose here. I'm going to take uh, Cincinnati to cover. And if, if USC loses that game, then we're going to fire Clay Helton a third time. A third time. Yeah, I'm just going to go drink my sorrows in Chicago. The rest Perfect. Of the I love it. Um, so we both like Cincinnati cover two and a half. Last college game, Oklahoma taking on K-State. The Sooners are two and a, a, a ten and a half point favorite on the road. Bo, what do you think? I don't have a good feel for this game at all. I If you're going to fade a pick here for me, if you disagree with my pick here, I totally understand. I'm taking K-State because I don't know – who Oklahoma really is. K-State's traditionally given Oklahoma problems, and the game's at home. You know, the crowd gets into it, especially when the Sooners are in town. Plus the rain. Rain, possibly. It's ten and a half. I'm taking the Cats here, and what I think is going to be a close game, and I think Oklahoma will win, but I think it's a close game. It's because Oklahoma's played close games. We really don't know them 
They haven't put their foot on anyone's throat yet. Right. Yeah. I look at this game as what happened last week with K-State against Oklahoma State, that they, they finally ran into an opponent that their offense unleashed. Oklahoma State was in a similar position what Oklahoma's in now and really got it going with their passing game, their run game, and started playing complete football last week. I think Oklahoma does something similar. Um, you know, I, I don't trust the quarterbacks there in Manhattan for K-State right now without Skylar Thompson there. Give me Oklahoma to cover 10.5 on the road. That's a game I'll be at. Uh, let's go to the NFL now. Cardinals taking on the Rams. Rams is a six-point favorite. Bo, I think the Rams are the best team in the NFL right now. I really love what they're doing. But a great offense in Arizona. This has the makings of a shootout here. It could be, but the difference is, is that the Rams have a defense. And I think the Rams are the best team in the NFL. Um, I think the Cardinals' biggest asset, our biggest, um, biggest proponent, the biggest thing working against them is the guy wearing the headset on the sideline. And uh, I don't think that he's much of a head coach, to be honest. And I just – the Cardinals should be better than they are. And the, the, they should be – top. they should really be one of those top five teams – in the NFC, they may you can argue they are, but I like the Rams. I think they're going to break out to a blowout, whether that's here or soon. So up to the Rams minus the six. The uh, Rams had their blowout game last week against the Bucs. I don't see them doing that two weeks in a row. I like the Rams to win, but I think the Cardinals can keep it within six. Uh, give me the uh, the points with Arizona there. The uh, Raiders taking on the Chargers on Monday Night Football. That's a game I'll be at. The Chargers, a three and a half point favorite at home. The Raiders, Bo, I said this earlier in the show, this is the worst undefeated 3-0 team I've ever seen. Um, the Chargers at 2-1, solid football team. They've played some close games here. I'm going to ride with uh, the Chargers at 3.5. I really like what Staley's doing, how aggressive that he is, and and uh, I, I think they're a more complete team than, uh, than the Raiders are right now. Give me the Chargers at home. Who do you got? Um, I like the Chargers here, too. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to go as far as you went, but – the worst 3-0 team, I don't know. Historically, I wouldn't go there. Um, but they, you know, they, they kind of struggled win last week against the Dolphins. Uh, the, the, the big win that was a surprise to me was week one against the Ravens. Uh, the Steelers, they beat the Steelers two weeks ago. I think the Steelers are just trash. Um, but I, I think the problem that the Raiders are going to have is they're still trusting Derek Carr. That's something that might be okay now, but that we know what that is. And that's going to be a ticket that's due. Thomas and I were talking about this earlier. I think they have much bigger issues than Derek Carr. That defense is atrocious. I haven't watched that, watched that defense close enough. I mean, they've, they have give up 28 points to the Dolphins. We think the Dolphins are pretty good. Um, you know, they give up 17 to the Steelers again. That's they gave up a, 28 points to a Dolphins team without tour. Yeah, but we don't really know how good Tua is. We know that it's a complete roster around Tua. Right. So uh, I don't know. I I don't know if they're going to outscore. That's the thing. I think they're, they're, this is going to be a bit of a shootout, and I like the right. Chargers' offense in a shootout. Bucks and Patriots. We'll talk about more of this one here in just a second. But the Patriots are a six and a half point dog at home. Tom Brady and company. Bo, does he make a statement here in this one? Do they cover six and a half? I think they cover six and a half. I we'll talk more about this, but um, I do think that the the Bucks are going to come in. They're a more talented team right now. 
I don't know that Belichick's going to come in. And I want to know what Belichick's going to try to do. And I talk about what he likes to do defensively is take away your best, what you do best. What is it the Bucks really do best? The, the short passing game. Yeah. I mean, that's the hardest thing to take away. Um, I don't think they have a good pass rush to get after a good enough pass rush to make Brady get rid of the ball even faster or to get him to hold the ball even more importantly. So I like the Bucks here. I, I think the Bucks get off the snide to their not so good performance in LA and uh, they get back to being who they are. Ravens taking on the Broncos. Broncos a one point favorite bowl. I know you like to say this. I'm going to beat you to it. Wrong team favored. Yeah, absolutely. This is the Broncos are a one point favorite because they're a home team here. The Broncos, that is a hard place to go and win. You're dealing with the altitude. You're dealing with all that. Um, but I like the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens are, are a decent team. Lamar is going to find a way to do something here. Um, I'm a Lamar Jackson believer, and I think this is a close game. But I would take the Ravens. I like the, I like the Ravens outright. Yeah, I got the Ravens uh, outright as well. Panthers taking on the Cowboys, our last game that we'll pick here. Cowboys a four-point favorite. Bo, what a start for the Panthers. Sam Darnold looks good. Matt Rule's doing a good job with that team. The Cowboys at two and one have impressed at this point as well. Now we're, we're going to find out who's a pretender and who's a contender, I think, uh, in this game. We'll, we'll find out who the, the, real, the real is and who the jabroni is. Um, I don't know that we're going to find out that either of them are – jabronis or or contenders um let's say this game is 31 30 cowboys are either team for real i would be shocked if carolina's putting up 30 points i would I, say if, if if the cowboys score 31 and win i would say yes okay yes. so then if the let's flip it let's say that the panthers win this game 28 24 are you yes. saying the panthers are a really good team then yeah, at 4-0, I would say, yeah, they're in good yeah. position to make the playoffs. Then. I, I think we're going to have just as many questions. I think we're going to have just as many questions about these, these two teams next week as we do right now. Um, I think they're both good teams. I don't think either of them are Super Bowl contenders. Um, it's going to all depend on, to me, it depends on how many times do the Cowboys ask Dak to throw the football. So the best thing the Cowboys can do is keep the Panther offense on the sideline by running the football. If they do and that, don't be afraid to use Tony Pollard. It doesn't have to be Zeke. Yes, I agree. You can go the hot hand when the hot hand is better. Um, I like the Cowboys here, though. I do. I like the Cowboys here. I like them at home. Uh, Me too. I don't really know which of these teams is the better team right now. I, I think I'm kind of opting to the Cowboys because they're the home team. Here. Right. I love the Cowboys and, offense. And experience of Darnold. I think that's – I think I might feel different in five weeks. Okay, fair enough. So there you have it. That's our uh, picks against the spread this week. You can follow along all season long right here on the Jones Report. Let's move on. Let's talk some uh, NFL headlines here uh, real quick. couple of uh, big transactions this week. Uh, Richard Sherman headed to Tampa Bay. The Tampa Bay secondary has been atrocious. Nice ad there. Josh Gordon goes to Kansas City. Some people are calling this desperate. I look at this bow as a – Low risk, high reward. If he gets suspended again, oh, well, you cut him, you would be done with him. We know that not too long ago he was an all-pro talent. I like both these signings for both these teams. What say you? I like both of them, too. The Gordon's actually a practice squad signing. Did I hear that correctly? Yes. 
And so there's basically no risk here. I mean, the risk is you're going to cut him from your practice squad. You're, it's not like you're throwing millions of dollars at him. Right. So that's, to me, that's just, we talked about this in the off season, if you recall, we talked about how we thought some free agents would go to Kansas City because they want to play with Mahomes. Right. This is an example of that. Frankly, I'm surprised that Richard Sherman's not in Kansas City. Um, I mean, it's a team that could use him, frankly. Um, I, I This is the thing where two veteran players are going to two places where they think they can win. Mm-hmm. And it's two teams that are picking up two players with very little downside and very much potentially upside. Uh, for Sherman and Tampa, it fills a role that's needed. And for Gordon, it's just another weapon that you could possibly throw out there on the field for Mahomes. I mean, they love speed. I mean, Tyreek Hill, uh, Nicole Hardman, you know, you put Josh Gordon out there with them, it's a lot to cover. And then you've got Kelsey doing Kelsey things. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, it's a, I think it's a good deal. I think both of them are good deals for those respective teams. In the case for the Chiefs, we've seen that teams are locking in on Tyreek Hill, that they're double-teaming him and letting Kelsey uh, beat them, essentially. That's what we've seen the last couple of weeks. And, yeah. you know, the last couple of years, we've seen teams – either double Tyreek or double Kelsey, one of the two. And so far it's been, all right, we'll let you beat you with Kelsey, but we're going to take Tyreek Hill away. If you add Josh Gordon to this roster, can that free things up for Tyreek Hill at all, yeah. Bo? Yeah, you'll put him on opposite sides of the field. You know, you're going to have to have some space there. Yeah, I mean, again, that's what it is. It's more speed. More speed you have to cover, which means more ground you have to cover. The reason that teams are saying, hey, we'll let Kelsey beat us, is that he covers less ground. Yeah, You still have to get to the red zone. The, the thing that Hill does is he beats you because he beats you, gets behind coverages. He gets you 40-yard chunks, 50-yard. He had a 75-yarder already, already this season. If you can take that out the playbook for the Chiefs, the, what the Chiefs haven't done consistently is maintain long drives First down, first down for you know four, five, six first downs. They're dependent on that big play. Josh Gordon could help with getting that big play back, and I think that's a big positive for the Chiefs. The Chiefs, I think, are. I've heard some fans thinking that they're you know DefCon one here. I, I don't know. I think it's pumping the brakes a little bit on that. But there's definitely some things the Chiefs have to do offensively, as far as being a little more consistent with their run game. And frankly, if I were the Chiefs, I'd have gone for both. Gordon and Sherman, they need help defensively big time. Yeah, well, and, and uh, we talk about the impact of Tom Brady of the players he was able to bring yeah. into Tampa. It was Brady that brought in Richard Sherman, even yeah. I mean, a defensive the, player. And we talked about that in the offseason. We said, hey, you know, that's what Mahomes should be doing, and that's what, you know, we'll see more of that as he gets older too. Instead, yeah, we uh, we see Mahomes, uh, you know, advocating for them to draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and that hasn't worked out so well. Yeah, well, I think a lot of that has to do with the way they're, the way they're playing yeah, I mean, he's had two fumbles, and they were big time fumbles, and they have no 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 answer or buts about that. But also, they haven't consistently um, they haven't consistently run the football the entire time they've had it. Right, they're too dependent on the big play. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, last thing in the NFL: Brady versus Belichick. Bo, I feel like this game is a lot bigger for Brady than it is Belichick here. Yeah, I don't think Belichick cares. <laughs> I think Belichick's kind of half-assed punting this season. And I, I say that because they are – let me look here. 
They're the one and two. two. The one and two with losses already in the division to the Dolphins. Uh, they looked bad against the Saints. Um, you know, I, I do. I think that this is how Brady's mentality is. You know, he kind of has that Michael Jordan thing of being disrespectful, right. finding some disrespect. Right. This week we hear the yeah. story about how he didn't like how Belichick didn't want to meet him in person when he said that he was leaving, that he only said gave him a phone call and such. You know, that's come out this week. Yeah. And that's just looking for that thing. To, if that's what motivates him, that's fine. But I think the whole idea of Belichick versus Brady is really, I think it's overrated. <laughs> I just do, man. I, they could, neither of them could accomplish what they both accomplished without each other. Yeah. And then I think that when Brady went to Tampa, they, they were bad for half the season last year. And what changed that was, you know, B.A., Bruce, uh, Bruce Arians saying, hey, we, let's, let's get some of these veterans, let's get these guys all moving getting Leonard Fournette on the same page. Their defense came around late. You know, Bruce Arians is very much like a Belichick in a different way, in a more player-oriented way. He's just someone who has respect and everyone's going to play for him. And while it's different in the the Patriot way, the Patriot way built Brady. Mm -hmm. And Brady took the Patriot way to Tampa and let Bruce Arians put his touch on it. I think that the whole narrative, I think, is just to drive ratings. And because we have to have a winner between Belichick and Brady, the, the fact of the matter is no quarterbacks won as many Super Bowls as Tom Brady. No coaches won as many Super Bowls as Bill Belichick. They're probably never, neither of them are probably giving up those records at any point. And they are fantastic together. Mm-hmm. So I, to me, it's just an overrated notion. How about Mac I'm Jones? Sorry, I'm not more excited about it. I'm just not. I know you're you're not uh you're you're not being with uh how Sunday night football's on site, yeah. Sunday countdown and all that. Everybody's I building mean, this up. It, 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 this is the making interest of a game that's not going to be interesting. <laughs> I mean, come on, are the Patriots going to win this game? No. If they were going to play this game a hundred times, how many times the Patriots win? Uh, maybe ten times. Maybe five to ten times. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not likely to happen. This is like when you play Madden against the one friend who just beats your ass every time. Why are you making a big deal out of it when you play him next? Because he's going to beat your ass again. <laughs> How about Mac Jones here? Right now Let's talk Mac Jones in this. Uh, okay. You know, I thought that Cam was going to be the starter and that we wouldn't see Mac until after this game was played. Yeah. Now Mac is going to see Brady in his house and such. And, you know, most of the stadium rooting on Brady and such. I don't feel good at all for Mac Jones on, uh, on Sunday night. I think Mac's in for an awakening here. Well, I don't even know if it's an awakening more than I think it's just it's – this is, this is going to build some character for sure. This is going to be something that when you write the book on Mac Jones, this is going to be something where it, it, he learns a lesson here one way or the other. He either learns to take the pressure of this game – and deal with it and play well. Or if he doesn't play well, maybe he learns that next time he has a big game like this, he better be more prepared or or, or be or play better. I don't know. I just I, I I get over a lot of this narrative. And I'm just over the I'm completely over 
the Belichick and Brady narrative. I would be more in it if I thought that the Patriots were actually a contender. Yeah. But I don't. I think they're the, I think they're the second worst team in their division. <laughs> and they're not born in the playoffs. Yeah. We know that in three weeks, three weeks in, we know that we know the Patriots aren't very good. They're not going to the playoffs. And there are two teams in their division already much better than them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a point. Let's uh, let's talk college football now. Yeah, let's do it. So if we go back to the point spreads for a second and look at these games here, you'll notice that Georgia is an 18-and-a-half-point favorite against the number eight team in the country at home compared to Alabama, who is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite against the number 12 team at home. By that account, Bo, Vegas is saying that Georgia – is better than Alabama and by a decent amount too. Do you buy that? Is Georgia better than Alabama right now? You know, I don't know. Um, these are the two teams I think are standing at the end. I mean, these are the, to me, these are the best two teams, Emma and Georgia. Um, I, yes, I think if I was going to gamble on it this way, yeah, I mean, I think I would pick UGA right now, but uh I worry about a playing head to head, like we talked about with, with Bama playing Ole Miss this week. That you know, no Saban assistant has ever beaten Saban. Uh, that's going to be out there when Kirby Smart has to play him in the playoff, um, or even in the SEC championship game, most likely before that. Um, you know, but yeah, I see where you're going, and I, I very much agree with you that um, yes, if I had to gamble on this. Yeah, I would say I think Georgia's a better team, right? Playing, I would say this. I think they're playing better than Bama right now. But I don't know that anyone's a better team than Bama. Kind of two narratives there. I mean, if, these are the best two teams. And, this and, and I think I'll put it this way, Bo. If Georgia and Alabama played tomorrow, I'm picking Georgia to win that game. I think if it's neutral site, yes. If it's at Georgia, yes. If it's at Bama, no, I'd pick that one there. But if we're talking about down the road, who's going to be yeah. the better team? Who knows? If this game were the SEC championship game right now, I think that Georgia would be like a one-point pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think these, like I said, these are the two best teams in the country. I think there's a big disparity between these two and the rest. And I think unless there's some kind of way in the playoff, they would play a second game. Before a championship game, these are the last two teams standing. Well, you look at those rankings, and I know OU fans are upset right now because, you know, they they win at home in a primetime game, you know, nationally televised game, and drop two spots in the rankings. Realistically, once you get past Alabama and Georgia, I don't care at that point. Between three and ten, it doesn't really matter. They're all kind of, eh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you look at – I'm looking at it now. you got Oregon's three. Um, depending on which poll you look at, one poll, Penn State's four, one poll, Oklahoma's four. If you're getting upset I, about the AP poll right now, you need to find a hobby. I just got them both pulled up right here. They're both side by side. The I know, no. I'm saying the folks that are upset about the AP oh. poll, you need to find a hobby. Yeah, I just think that's just, that's just asking too much here. I, you know, I mean, you look between – Oregon, Penn State, Iowa, Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Arkansas, and Notre Dame, what's called. Those are the kind of the next six, next seven. You know, any of those teams could be three, 
and any of those teams could be nine. Yeah, I think Notre Dame is going to be the one that drops off there. Um, and I want to see how Arkansas plays. I, I'm interested to see how Arkansas is going to do this weekend. I Me don't too. think they'll win, but I think that they'll play solid. I think it'll be uh, respectful. Yeah. I think he's going to beat Notre Dame. I think OU will, will beat K-State, and then I think they'll probably win out. Um, I think Iowa's going to lose a game. They're going to drop a game in the Big Ten. They're the one I don't think is like – which one of these is not like the other? I think it's Iowa. And that'll all bear fruit as we go through the season. We're still early. So we mentioned Cincinnati. Yeah. I, yeah. True or I, false, Bo. If Cincinnati beats Notre Dame and wins out, Cincinnati makes the playoffs. Yes. It was true it or should. false. What's that? It was true or false. Oh, true. If they beat <laughs> Notre Dame and win out, yes. I true. They they should be not only will they get in the playoff, they should get in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I think they will get in if they win out. I think they're going to Unfortunately, get... it takes them winning every game to get there. I think they're going to get the help, too, with as, as much parity as there is yep. beyond those top two. They'll get the help they need, unlike yeah. what we've seen where the ball just hasn't bounced the right way for a UCF or a yeah. Houston or so in the past. Yeah, I think the team to, to keep an eye on, well, I mentioned them a couple weeks ago, and they're, they're sitting at 15 in the coaches' poll and 13 in the AP poll, and it's BYU. Keep an eye out. That's the one that could be – that's the one that could run the table, too. Their schedule's not bad from the rest of the way out. No, their schedule is – they don't play – I mean, they don't have a – their biggest game is their last game of the season at USC. But USC doesn't have a coach right now. So right. I mean, they got Boise State, Baylor, Washington State, Virginia, and USC. Yeah, they got a couple of yeah, suckers in the middle there. And credit, but, yeah. I mean, credit to BYU. They they scheduled a good schedule this year for what they have to work with. Yeah, and they've they've won. I don't. I mean, convincingly, they haven't been within one score in any game. They have two eight point wins. They've done their job. Yeah. So I think that's the team that we're if we're, we're going to bitch about somebody not making the playoff because of the parity down the road. I think that's the one we'll bitch more about than Cincinnati. Fair enough. Last uh, college question for you. Clemson loses again. Second loss. <laughs> second loss of the year. First time since uh, in about 10 years that their second loss is not in the month of November or later. And uh, their playoff hopes are dashed. They fall to 25 in the rankings. And now you look at the SEC is about to get a lot stronger with Oklahoma and Texas on the way. Recruiting for Clemson, it's been better the last couple of years, but they're still not out recruiting Alabama or Georgia or LSU. Is this run, this dynasty for Clemson, is it over? Have we seen the best of Clemson? Are those days behind us now, Bo? Have we seen the best of Clemson? Yes, it is over. I'm not calling them a dynasty. So I refuse to use that term for the, for the universe, for the Clemson. Um, but uh is it are they done? Yeah, they are. They're gonna go back to being who Clemson is, which is a good, solid, um, you know, middling, you know, teens to 20. I mean, their conference sucks, they should still win it every they year. They should win their conference, yeah. They but they're in a conference and they're not gonna they're recruiting against again, they're recruiting against Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Oklahoma, LSU. 
These are the schools that are going to be getting all the recruits. There's a reason why they still want in the SEC despite yeah. their success. Oh, they would they would leave the ACC tomorrow if they could get in. They're in-state rivals in the SEC. Um, yeah, I mean, it's – yeah, Clemson would leave the ACC tomorrow. The SEC should take Clemson and Florida State, in my view. They got to figure out a way to kick Vanderbilt out. Well, Vanderbilt's what's uh, keeping everybody academically eligible. Oh man, just get Vanderbilt out the paint. I mean, that's just awful. I mean, they. I mean, Georgia beat them like they had stolen something. I they mean, scored thirty-five points in the first quarter. Uh, it, it, let me pull that score. I mean, it's sixty-two to nothing. If you lose, there should be something in the SEC bylaws that says if you lose a conference game by sixty points, you're out. At least Bama says at 50, okay, we'll call the dogs off. Right. Georgia didn't even bother doing that. You know, Bo, I would rather see a bowl game of KU versus Vandy than I would about a third of the redheaded stepchild bowls. (laughs) You know, the bowl games are just – it's just so we can all gamble on it. Right. Give me that. How about we do a four-team playoff, Arizona, KU, Vandy, and Bishop Sycamore? (laughs) Oh man, there are some high school teams that can beat Vandy. I mean that that they, I don't understand how they're still in the SEC. I mean they got a great baseball program. That's about it. Academics, that's how. Uh, we don't need the academics. It's the SEC. We it we just don't do means school. More. It just means more. You know, <laughs> look, man, nobody goes. Look, who was the last time? I'm an LSU guy. When was the last time anybody went to LSU because they thought they were going to get a a doctorate from LSU. I mean, Shaq. come on. You know, I mean, <laughs> Dr. Yeah. Shaq. Dr. Shaq. You know, you know, it's the same thing, Old Miss and these places, Alabama. Look, no one's going to Alabama for the academics. Okay. You're going to Alabama because it's a football school. You're going to get a degree and go make it. Andy's only in the conference for two reasons academics and because everybody likes a trip to Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, I, there has to be a way to get them out the paint. Just, there has to be a way. There's nothing they bring to the table. Oh. Uh, this this is the the SEC these uh, SEC shorts people, the guys who on on the on social media on TikTok and on yeah. we those guys they got to have a, a, a they got to do something about this. They've got to get some kind of an of a mock SEC meeting where the ads and the presidents are all there except for Vandy. And the whole point is, okay, how do we get them out? Oh, that's good. Let's buy them. Maybe, maybe the SEC should give them a share of all the revenue. They can use it to go build another, another medical school. And we'll just replace them with another team. Perfect. I like I, I'm, just, I'm spitballing ideas here. Yeah, whatever we can to get Clemson in the SEC. Yes. We, we don't, just so we can beat them every year. I mean – and the first time that Clemson and LSU get to play, it gets to be the battle for who gets to be Death Valley from now on. I mean, we, should, we, we Death Valley is LSU. They, they try to steal that. I mean, come on. They little stupid little rock they pet. I mean, come on. You, you know, you got a pet rock. You're in Clemson, South Carolina. You ever been to Clemson, South Carolina? I've never been to South Carolina. I, I went to school at, at SC for a year. I'm telling you, that Columbia is nice. You know, uh, a few other nice places. You know, Charles is beautiful. They ain't shit in Clemson, South Carolina, around the, around the Georgia border. It's just a, it's a, 
it's a ag school. I mean, it's just there's nothing there. You know, if they're if they're getting recruits, it's because they're buying them. You know. Plain All right, simple. let's go before you get me in trouble. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Let's just get about the paper. <laughs> well, counteradvisorygroup.com, OAGcast.com is the website. Bo, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining us. Thank Talk you, to you next week. What's on uh, the show on uh, Friday? Oh, Friday we're going to have uh, – this could be, a, I think, a Coach Bo Rance um, uh, for the episode 5.5. If you haven't listened, I think episode 5 was by far our best episode. We had um, – um, Coach uh, Coach uh, yeah, easy for me to say. Uh, Fred Quarterbon, the director of operations for the University of Kansas basketball team, came in talked about his new book. And dude is just the most positive dude in the history of the world. Uh, I love Coach Q to death. He came in, did like thirty minutes with me, and we just talked about all things. And I think that if you're looking for any kind of motivation or just looking for some positivity, jump into that pod. Coach Bono's pod, podcast. Uh, episode five, you'll love it. I by far our best show. It's awesome. I loved it. You got to check it out. Yep. Ryan O'Connor here on the Jones Sport this week. But we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for hey, joining us, man. Thanks, Tyler. You have a good one. A couple more things before we wrap up today's show. Let's go ahead and get to our Big 12 breakdown, looking at the week in the Big 12 conference. And let's start out with the game I'll be at Oklahoma taking on K State, the Sooners. About a 10-point favorite. We picked that game earlier. And looking at this matchup, we are going to see an interesting battle at the line of scrimmage. We know K-State is a physical football team. They love to run the ball with Deuce Vaughn and make things the Deuce Vaughn show. And if you're Oklahoma, I think you're hoping to do what Oklahoma State did the week before of having that offensive coming out party of sorts. When we looked at the K-State OSU game last week, we're like, man, hardly anybody's going to be able to even throw the football. There's going to be like 10 passes thrown. And Oklahoma State figured things out. They got the, the passing game going, and they had their best offensive performance of the year. K-State, still no Skylar Thompson. Will Howard, probably going to be the, the guy. Maybe we see uh, Lewis be the guy, whatever it may be. K-State is not great moving the ball through the air right now. What you hope for is, okay, Spencer Rattler, flip the switch. Offensive line, just give him enough time. I mean, we know the talent's there. It's just a matter of if the offensive line can put it together, if they can give Rattler the opportunity here. I think Oklahoma wins this game, Tom. I think they finally unleash and come alive here. Um, But History tells us Oklahoma slept on K-State before. I mean, you you can't take this game for granted. K-State is very capable of winning this game, um, but it has to be won first at the line of scrimmage for OU. Oh, yeah, they have to because, you know, K-State, usually a pretty resilient team. I feel like they could bounce back. It is in Manhattan. Um, You know, is it supposed to rain? Uh, There's a good chance of rain, yes. Okay, so the, you got to you got to take that into consideration. You know, K State's definitely going to be running the ball. Um, you know, Grinch that you know if he can go ahead and get that stopped, and you know maybe maybe still a low scoring game. Um, but you know, you mentioned Rattler's got to turn it on. He's got. Well, we're going to figure out what type of player he gets booed and benched uh, in the game before, and then you know let's see what he does when he gets another chance the next time out. Let's see what he can 
can he flip that Heisman switch? I'd like to say the Heisman's probably already gone, but you know, I'd like to see what he can. What can he be made of? What's he right. made of? Right. Texas taking on TCU. That game in Fort Worth. Texas a five point favorite. Tom, I was really disappointed in what TCU put together last week against SMU when they got picked apart by Tanner Mordecai. I'm out on this TCU team. Texas is playing much better. I think Texas wins this one with ease. But there's part of me that's still skeptical of, okay, the moment we start believing in Texas, that they'll lay an egg of some sorts. We've been through this before. Yeah, we have. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see Texas play an egg, but it'll be on Texas, not on TCU. Right. If they lose this game, it's because of self-inflicted mistakes. That's that's what it is, exactly. Yeah. Um, Texas Tech taking on West Virginia. West Virginia is a really good two-and-two team. They had the win against Virginia Tech, and you know, obviously they went toe-to-toe with OU. Close loss against Maryland. I like what Neil Brown has put together with that West Virginia team. Texas Tech came out firing week one against Houston, and they haven't been the same team ever since. Seth Daggy looks like, you know, uh, or Jared Daggy. I'm getting him confused with his brother. Uh, Jared Daggy looks like a good quarterback. Um, you know, Schoff, the uh, former Oregon quarterback there at Texas Tech, uh, I mean, he's a good, he's good too. This is a good quarterback matchup. I think Texas Tech is uh, going to lose this one. I like West Virginia to win this game. And I think West Virginia is going to be just fine. I know they're two and two right now, but it would not surprise me, Tom, if we go on to see West Virginia make a run and win about, you know, seven or eight games here uh, to uh, end the season. Yeah, and I'd like to see the points over under on this game as well. I think it could be another big high-scoring game. Same way as Texas and Texas Tech was, what, 105 points? Um, Maybe not that high, but there's going to be a lot of points, I feel like, in this one. But I like West Virginia, too. Baylor and Oklahoma State, both teams at 4-0. We picked this game earlier. And this game in Stillwater, my goodness, uh, this is going to be a fun one. And I know Baylor has had – you know, a couple good moments with that win against Iowa State last week and and uh, what they did, you know, blowing the doors off Kansas a couple of weeks ago. But I feel like I still don't know much about this Baylor team, Tom. You know, when I look at Oklahoma State, I, I know them inside and out. I know that, you know, Spencer Sanders, when he's on, he's on. But when he's off, he's off. They're reliable with their run game. Their defense is is solid. Um, you know what you're getting out of Oklahoma State. We, we know who they are. Oklahoma, with Baylor, you know, Bohannon looks good to this point. Um, he hasn't turned the ball over. Smith has been running the ball well. But now you take on Oklahoma State, this is a different team than anyone they've seen at this point. The Iowa State team they saw last week was pretty banged up, pretty injured beyond their skill position players. This is a different matchup than anyone's seen for Baylor. They're seeing a healthy Oklahoma State team uh, that is good with their uh, their front seven here. New challenge for Baylor. I don't know what to expect, really. Yeah, neither do I. I mean, I, I can hope, and you know, I'll take Oklahoma State in this game. But I, for, from what I've seen last week, I think maybe they've opened that door. Maybe they've stepped over that gap to get to back to the Oklahoma State team we know. Um, you know, they didn't score in the second half against K-State. Did, they haven't scored in the third or fourth quarter 
um, in either of the last two games. And um, I think I did see a stat that they haven't maybe scored in the third quarter all season. Um, so let's fix that. You know, let's that needs to be fixed. They sh- they could have put up more points against K State. Um, I felt like they left points on the field in that game, but I was being a little greedy there. Um, that being said, Oklahoma State has to take the next step. You know, you have a good game, last game, best offensive performance all game. Well, take it up a notch. Go keep building on that. Do not regress from that point. It should be not be a game where OSU looks, you know, even close to that offensive performance against K-State. It should be better each week. And if they can do that, I like their chances against Baylor. Baylor Baylor's no slouch, though, either. You know, they oh. did beat a banged-up Iowa State team, but this, you, you mentioned at the beginning, it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, it will be. Uh, Kansas taking on Iowa State. If Iowa State was looking for a bounce-back game, this is the one to do it. Um, look, I'll give my Jayhawks credit. The offense looked great last week against Duke. That's not why they lost. It was not due to Jason Bean and Devin Neal and those guys. Their offense was fun last week. Uh, This was the first time since 2009 that a Kansas offense had a 300-yard passer, a 100-yard rusher, and a 100-yard receiver. They just had issues everywhere else. They couldn't stop Duke worth anything. So you like what you've seen. They're at least putting an entertaining product of sorts out there anyway. Um, There's improvement week to week. So there's the positives for Kansas there. Iowa State, um, this one, you look at for these guys, you want to see them find a rhythm of some sorts. Um, You know, their offense has not played to their potential. We know that there's injuries there, but this is a chance for them to get things up to speed, to get things polished and go on their Brocktober run that we've seen them be capable of over the years and how they flip on a switch when it comes to the month of Brocktober led by Brock Purdy here. This is a great time to get Brock Brocktober started on the right foot here. Uh, Iowa State, I think 34 point margin. I don't know if they cover or not. I mean, four, 34 points is so high, but they'll come close anyway. Um, watch out for Iowa State to uh, get things going here for this uh, month, which has been special for them over the years, Tom. And the Vero might start kicking it in gear. Hell, they need to. Uh, I mean, they better. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's or you know, I had mentioned it last week. Just drunk in a bar in Stillwater, I said, "Hot take." You know, Baylor beats Iowa State, which happened. Iowa State misses the Big Twelve Championship. Matt Campbell leaves. You still it, picked Matt, Iowa State in the pick'em last week, though. Well, I did because you know I was. We were midway. I was watching it, and I saw the score about midway through the game, and I thought, "Uh oh." You know, I, I figured their slow start was finished, but I was wrong. Um, I think everybody picked Iowa State. Um, but, you know, to, you know, you talk about KU, um, you know, building each week, even if it's a 1% better. Um, you know, the, KU reminds me this season so far under Lance Leopold, reminds me of um, the Detroit Lions. You know, at least they're out there. They're trying. Right. They are, and I like what Lance Leopold's done so far. K looks like a much better opponent than in years past. One more thing on the Big 12 breakdown before we move on to a Tom Fullery this week. Tom, I don't know about you, but I'm paying attention to these new Big 12 members. I know that they're not coming in for another couple of years, but I'm rooting for these guys each week, and I like what I'm seeing. Houston's 3-1. and one. They take on Tulsa on Friday. Cincinnati has a huge game with Notre Dame on Saturday, 
where if they win this game, Cincinnati's all of a sudden in playoff contention. Um, if they pull this off in South Bend and Cincinnati's favored, I might add, UCF rebuilding year for them, they're still two and one. And then there's BYU, who might as well be the Pac 12 South champions. They are what, three and oh against Pac 12 South teams. They're four and oh overall. They've played really well. Uh, the, the, you know, when you look at their quarterbacks, you know, Hall started out the year really good. He got hurt and they turned things over to uh, Romney. And Romney looked great last week. I've been able to see a lot of BYU with them playing late at night. I'm looking forward to having some Big 12 after dark when BYU comes into the league uh, down the road. We're going to have Big 12 football in four time zones. That'll be exciting to see uh, here in a couple of years. But with that being said, those four teams, I like what all four are doing, in particular BYU and Cincinnati. Um, with them competing against Power 5 teams, might I add you, in particular uh, with BYU with their three Pac-12 wins, Cincinnati beating Indiana. They'll take on Notre Dame this week. We know what UCF and Houston have done in the past, winning New Year's Six Bowls and such. But with that, all that being said, I like what I'm seeing. I'm rooting for them. And – when you look at them on paper, there's no reason to think that when these guys come in, that this conference can't be as good as what the Pac-12 and what the ACC are, if not better. In fact, probably better than the Pac-12. Close to the ACC. Look at the ACC right now with Clemson down. That is an awful conference at this point in time. You add these four schools in, the Big 12 might not get the revenue they would like, but competitive-wise, this is going to be a fun league. And these four teams are, are, are going to do their part. I like, I'm optimistic about their future based on what I've seen here. Yeah. You know, so far so good. And, and all teams involved, you know, there hasn't been one of those four that has just looked terrible. I mean, hell uh, with the way OU's looked, I mean, maybe Cincinnati could just, you know, maybe they could even come right in. If they were to come in this year, maybe they would win this league. You know, we'll have to see what, how they play Notre Dame this weekend, but I mean, you know, they're, I mean, even BYU, maybe not win the conference, but compete. You know, you mentioned just overall just being competitive. I mean, that's it's not going to be any one or two or three or four years trying to get acclimated. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to come in and compete immediately. Do you find yourself rooting for these teams already? Uh, I root for Cincinnati. Um, I don't really – from what I've heard – just from even the Boise fans when I was up there and there I was, we were asking about UCF and some of the fans had made that trip and they just said the fans there were absolutely terrible, awful, just incredibly rude, incredibly just in your face, you know, don't even know you all up in your face, you know, flipping you off and all that. Um, I don't, you know, Houston is kind of neutral on, and you know, I'm, you know, about BYU. I don't, I don't, I don't like BYU. Um, you know, I think they they never came and played in Stillwater when they had the chance. And I feel like they think they're just deservingly. I mean, sure, they kind of already a power five team, but eh, you know, I I wouldn't necessarily make the trip to Provo to watch the game, but who knows? There's only two bars in Provo, so maybe I go and drink a bar dry when Oklahoma State goes and plays. But um, I like to see them do well now that they're in the Big 12, at least right. until they get here. You know, I'm rooting for all teams involved because it, you know, looks better for the Big 12. Yeah. Especially when the Big 12 needs it. We need those wins. We need Cincinnati to win this weekend. Yeah. I'll be rooting for Cincinnati big time against Notre Dame. Come on now. 
get it done. Bring it home, baby. You know, uh, go, go Bearcats. All right. So that's the uh, Big 12 breakdown for this week. Time for our final segment of the show. We end every edition of the Jones Report with our Tom Fullery story of the week, where we tell you about something ridiculous happening in the world. Thomas Bridges takes it away. Tom, where do we head to this time? Jones, this one is coming from awfulannouncing.com. Um, and we're going to the press box. We are going to the press box for this, and the, the headline reads, I wish you could see the picture of people listening. It's scary, kind of. Alabama man found sleeping in press box amidst piles of chicken fingers, chips, candy, and meth. This all came after the man in question made bond on a previous offense. Um, this came out a couple of days ago. While there's been a pl- plenty of discussion of press box food and sports writers' unusual habits over the year, what happened in Pleasant Grove, Alabama last week was surprising even by those standards. As per John Mann of Birmingham ABC affiliate w- WBMA, 37-year-old Matthew Williamson was found in the Pleasant Grove Athletic Complex press box home to the Pleasant Grove High School baseball Surrounded by quite the pile of food and drugs. Oh, and that all came after he made bond off a previous offense. The Pleasant Grove Department of Public Safety says 37-year-old Matthew Williamson was charged September 17th with unlawful breaking and entering a vehicle and theft of property. He was transported to the Jefferson County Jail. According to a news release, less than two hours after Williamson made bond, he stole a car in Hueytown and hid it in Pleasant Grove. September 22nd, there was a report of an unknown person breaking into the concession stand at the Pleasant Grove Athletic Complex. The next morning, Williamson was found sleeping in the press box among a pile of chicken fingers, chips, candy, and meth. Williamson admitted to the crimes and was transported back to the Jefferson County Jail in Bessemer. He is being held on a $32,000 bond. Jones, maybe the biggest question here is what about the chicken fingers? Were those already cooked chicken fingers or did uh, Williamson manage to um, operate the deep fryer? Oh, and beyond that, it's interesting that there was a report that break in last Wednesday night, but they didn't find him in the press box until the following morning. At any rate, this is an unusual situation, even for a press box. Jones, you know, when I saw the title, I was like, okay, did he, did he turn on the deep fryer? Did he, did he just eat them frozen? Because I don't know. I I just don't know. I'm like thinking about that. I did. They asked the same question I asked when I read it. I said, maybe the most Tom Fullery here. I I get it. If you're going to break into a press box, whatever. You know, I would never just break into somewhere like that. But if I was, and it would end up being a concession stand, I would not eat the candy chips and maybe a Gatorade. But I, I wouldn't be like, ooh, let's uh, check out these chicken fingers, you know. Did, is there a microwave in there that he just heated them up in there? Because if that's the case, fine. You know, every story I feel like each week, there's a little bit something that – whoever wrote the article didn't dig hard enough right it's like it figure feels it out like we need to know was this guy naked yeah they didn't even quote he was clothed or he was dressed you know being in alabama right now I'm sure i feel the like there's a terrible, pretty dang good chance this guy was naked not naked naked i mean he was on found with a pile of meth so i mean those two pretty correlate well together being naked in public so you know, I just, I'm thinking about that and I'm like, okay, I need more. I need more. Did he eat the chicken fingers frozen? Were they like, 
I don't even. I've Jones. Have you ever been to a concession stand where you get chicken fingers? Yes. A real a baseball one, a high school baseball stadium. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you've been to a lot more press boxes and concession stands than I have, but I don't think I've ever seen. I've seen the nachos. I've seen hot dogs, hamburgers, chicken sandwiches. I don't think I've ever seen a basket of chicken tenders, or at this point, chicken fingers. There is a difference. Yes, chicken there tenders. Is. Chicken tenders are just like like a fried chicken tender, like a something you would get from raising canes. I've had a, I've had chicken fingers at the Royals before. Chicken uh, fingers is like a chicken nugget shaped in the shape of a hot dog. I've had raisin canes at the press box at Broken Arrow High School. Actually, we uh, they, they they treated us pretty good. They gave us that hot chicken, hot chicken, what combo you pick? Right, but they didn't. Did they have it at the concession stand for everybody, or was it just a press box thing? No, oh, it was just for the media. Yeah, in the press box. So I guess he was in the press box. So maybe this press box has chicken fingers. Maybe the concession stand doesn't. Maybe the press box is attached to the concession stand. I don't think you can be an elite program if you don't have good press box food. I mean, you are very you're a connoisseur of good press box food. What's the worst press box food you ever had? Um, well, the worst is when there's media media food. The worst is when there's just nothing there, like. I would go cover Oklahoma State basketball, and they would say, all right, here's some popcorn and some pop. Enjoy. Are you kidding me? No meal here? And, (laughs) like, comparatively speaking, I'd go to ORU and get Mazio's Pizza. Remember, we would see Eddie Sutton. Rest in peace, by the way. Eddie Sutton would – Armful of popcorn. Like, get just four or five boxes of popcorn in the press box. He'd claim it's for his grandkids. I didn't believe that was true. It was was for Eddie. They would put the camera on him, and he's eating like you know, you know, double fist in the popcorn. So he was he was killing it too. I mean, he was he was getting like carrying out five boxes. Like, hey, coach, right? They'd say, hey, right back. He was unashamed. And you get to that age where you don't really care. You're like, I don't care if it gets stuck in my teeth or whatever. I'm gonna eat all of this. He yeah, he did. I, they did have that fire Mazio's pizza, and they had a lot of it. And oh, we yeah. were going back in like the third quarter, fourth oh, quarter. Yeah. When uh, when I, I guess go to actually OSU second football half, games, second half, I guess makes more sense. But yeah, at OSU football games, that's quite the spread. They got like, you know, frozen ice cream cookie sandwiches and you know breakfast buffet and you know all this stuff. Like they do it right for football. Basketball is a little disappointed with uh, their lack thereof of offerings. Now you mentioned chicken tenders. I can't believe I didn't think about this from the very beginning. So one of the things about covering the Chiefs that I miss is that when you cover the Chiefs, so in the pregame, they would have, you know, the, the first course of the meal, which was usually like barbecue or hamburgers or, you know, you know spaghetti, you know, something like that, whatever. And then, and you'd have your desserts and you could have popcorn or pop or whatever. And, you know, cookies and and if it was breakfast time, there'd be bagels that are out, whatever. Well, at halftime, the Chiefs would give out these chicken tenders, which were so good. And so that was the second course. You'd get the chicken tenders or hot dogs or brats. And so it's a known thing around the Chiefs media community of those halftime chicken fingers. And when all of us were at home last year, not covering the team, 
and doing the games remotely, we were all thinking about, man, I miss those uh, those chicken fingers there at the uh, the Chiefs games. Are they that good? Oh, they are that good. Yes. Did you figure out where they're from? They were made in house by the, uh, the 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 chefs of the Chiefs. Really? Yeah. I wonder if, okay, so this is, you know, we're tangenting away like we always do from uh, the the Tom Floyd, which is great because it leads me to another point in terms of, you know, the Chiefs haven't been doing so hot in the first couple of games. Maybe it's time I make Andy Reid mac and cheese again. Do you think Andy Reid has any say over what the chefs make? Do you oh, think sure. Andy Reid could be a secret chef? Andy gets whatever he wants. Yeah, so he has a say. So you, maybe would I mean I wouldn't be shocked. I don't what think he cares Andy about Reed's. what the media eats, but he gets what he wants. I mean, yeah, for sure. But do you think he has he has a say in what is made? Yes, hundred percent. So could that be Andy Reid's chicken finger recipe? You think he's got to have one? Oh, he's got to have one. Yeah, he look he looks like he would have one. Man, and when I got heard that report uh, of him going to the hospital on Sunday, I'm like, man, I, I wish I could just make some Andy Reid mac and cheese and bring it to him myself right now. He was really just going to the press box for the chicken fingers. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm glad he's okay though. We're glad that Andy's doing better and uh, that he's going to be back in the sidelines this week. He was just. Did they say what it was? He was dehydrated. That's what it was. Mm. So. Glad he's going to be okay, and uh, that the folks at the University of Kansas Health System were able to uh, help out Andy Reid there. But yeah, press box food—that uh, is one thing I definitely miss. At KU, um, we would get the Bill Self mac and cheese from the Twenty Third Street Brewery from time to time. I miss that. That sounds fire right now, man. Do they? Do you know? Did they ever? So they never had. Did you say they had a less miles like a salad? The less miles vegan salad. They don't offer it anymore. Obviously, yeah. Now, are they gonna? You think? Do you still? You know the guy that owns it, right? Yeah, yeah. My buddy Matt Llewellyn. Yeah. Do, are they, have they had the Lance Leopold yet? I feel like he should get a dessert. Um, I don't know. I haven't been back there since uh, Lance got hired. But all uh, like a Lance Leopold bunt cake. The bunt cake. <laughs> that's my. That's my vote. Okay, I'll go back and I'll check up on and see what they offered. I actually really liked the uh, the David Beatty uh, three way pasta, uh, the uh, chili pasta that he had. I missed that. That was one of my favorite menu items. I don't think I ever ate it just because I was only in Lawrence a couple of times. So I was just like, okay, I'm getting the Bill Self. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, the Bill Self, you can't go wrong. Man. I don't know when the next time I'll be back in Lawrence is, but you bet. I will be eating the Bill Self next time I'm there. That that sounds delicious, actually, right? And now I'm hungry. Yeah, I am, too. We got to run. This has been uh, a lot of fun today on the Jones Report. Uh, big thanks to uh, Clint Shelf for joining us, as well as Brian O'Connor. Make sure to subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Thursday at Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Follow us on Twitter at studio underscore soapbox, at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, facebook.com forward slash studio soapbox, and Instagram, Jones underscore report, Tyler Jones Live, Instant Thomas. You can find us there, and we will be right back here next week here on the Jones Report. We'll have a full update from the excursion to Manhattan, Kansas, and Los Angeles, and 
Uh, recap it all for you right here on the Jones Report. For Thomas Bridges, Brian O'Connor, Cliff Jelf, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. See you next week.